Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock. And this is the Clone Wars Report. Bum, bum, <laughs> oh no, big loud cliffhanger music, which makes perfect sense for this episode of uh, Clone Wars as we analyze it. This episode, or rather, 
this chapter of what is clearly explicitly a movie. We will talk more <laughs> about that. But we are here. This is the Clone Wars Report, uh, our Clone Wars Report, episode 14, where we'll be discussing the 10th episode of season seven of the Clone Wars entitled The Phantom apprentice written by dave filoni directed by nathaniel villanueva uh, i decided to write that down because damn this episode was well directed many episodes of clone wars uh, are very well directed but it, it was really popping to me this episode so let's dive in ken uh what were your overall reactions and in any title feelings in particular <laughs> oh a good title feeling and i love that uh, a little bit later we're going to really dive into I think what the title really means on 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 a, on a on a big level, though there's always a lot of little levels on the title. Phantom Apprentice, uh, I love that title. Um, overall feelings, man, wow, hot damn, this was good, and this lived up to all the hype and it's uh, all the tweets you see, everything. Like this has been, I think, a really great season of Clone Wars. I know not everyone loved some of the last uh, episodes before these, this final arc. I just think it's been a, a real solid uh, season overall. And this episode, just like, I, I think this is going to be one of those rewatches even years from now type of episodes for me. Yeah, it's got that uh, same feeling, I think, in the fandom, like the uh, Twilight of the Apprentice or mm -hmm. Twin Sons of like the, the animated uh, episodes that have really uh, come up constantly. And I think, you know, this episode, this uh, this arc of episodes is going to be huge, which I think they really want it to be. I think it's designed that way mm -hmm. in these uh, these movie feelings. Um for me, my overall reaction is that uh, obviously the action was really great and really different, as we'll talk about, because of the motion capture. So it was sort of shockingly, mm. <laughs> pleasingly. Uh, I was shocked in a good way that it felt so different uh, to me, uh, but the action obviously was great. And I think overall, I really just liked the tone of it, that it felt like very much like Star Wars. It felt thrilling, but it was so intended to have this endless sense of doom uh, from the music to the lighting to some of the just uh, directing choices about pauses and imagery of everything being shattered and broken. So mm -hmm. by the end of it, I was like, how do, how do I sum up what I'm feeling? And I was like, I feel like I just went on a very sad roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like it had these great ups and downs and all these great ideas and spins and twists and turns, but it is so beautifully about doom uh, and about that, that something's coming and can we stop it? And we'll, we'll get into that. Um, my other overall reaction is just, man, uh, I never thought I would be this excited by a, uh, a hologram discussion. Uh, yeah. This is a, the Kenobi call was a real highlight. We'll dig into that as well. But for me, yeah. that was, I, I am biased because I'm very um, at this point obsessed with Kenobi, mm. but everything that that call meant on, on many different levels really excited me. Yeah. And then for me, the title, uh, the title was a, another pleasant surprise because we've been talking about the titles and sometimes poking fun at them and, you know, trying to figure out uh, which seventies <laughs> or nineties band would have <laughs> uh, written that one uh, on the wings of Kiradax. Uh, great hit, great hit. Um, Journey song, I think maybe we settled on. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, so th there've also been titles that have a, a sense of like fun and a sense of like, oh, this is kind of a pun or this is kind of 
super obviously what the episode is about. So it was kind of fun whiplash to have a, a title that was so meaningful, mm-hmm. uh, not only in terms of Star Wars poetry, but we're going to take something, some words that are very familiar to you in Star Wars and use them to totally recast uh, how you think of something, which maybe I'm overstating it, but that's what it did for me. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. Because, yeah, you, you see the word phantom, you're like, that's the episode one thing I'd like. And then, you know, Apprentice and all these, I mean, but it, it, it's a, it's like reaching in that Scrabble bag and pulling out a new meaning, man. And I, I don't think you're overstating it at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think we can talk just for a minute about, you know, exactly what it means. Um, for me, I had the like, oh, cool, that's uh, that's great sad way to describe Maul. Mm -hmm. And I think you can obviously uh, say that this is one of those titles that's uh, maybe referring to more than one person or one idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Phantom uh, Apprentice, you know, it has extra power when, you know, half of Maul has been gone. (laughs) He probably literally has phantom limbs that his robot legs have replaced. Um, So to start it with, that's a beautiful, sad, poetic Mm -hmm. way to describe Maul. And then to get that hit later on where Oh, that's a, that's a powerful way to describe Anakin. Mm. That Anakin has been Sidious's apprentice uh, for a long time, and no one has known it outside of Sidious. Not even yeah. Anakin himself. Which was the when it hit me that way. It was one of those beautiful beautiful things. Of it doesn't change anything about the story that we've all known, but it was just a different way to look at it. Uh, mm. That was really powerful and intriguing to me. I love, yeah. Oh gosh. I love that because as you're talking, I'm just like connecting, connecting a lot to what Palpatine slash Sidious does and how much it's in the shadows stuff that they mention themselves here. Just the long play game with him is so strong, (laughs) so strong. And we see that all the way now up to episode nine. And now we see really when it begins in Venom, Phantom Menace and what it, what it truly means. I love it. You said that not even Anakin, not even Anakin is aware. We as an audience thought we were aware. Oh, we'll be watching your career with, you know, with great intent, whatever that silly line is that we all uh, make fun of from Phantom Menace. And it's like, that's it. Palpatine just is, it's, it's, it's begun. You're, you're the apprentice, Anakin. You don't even know it. I, I, so I, I love that uh, we can look back because of this title of some of those things with a little bit more weight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's in a great for me, Star Wars poetry with uh, Phantom Menace and the Phantom Menace. If you interpret that to be Palpatine has a Phantom Apprentice, which right. is awesome. Uh, let, let's uh, let's dig into some of the big picture themes. Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. The second half of Clone Wars report is always kind of going through the episode in order. So we'll dig into lots of individual beats, but we like to start by taking a look at the big themes. Uh, I think there was a lot of different ways to maybe phrase what I was uh, feeling or picking up on. And what I came down to is the idea of, can you change destiny? Mm -hmm. Uh, As I said, I think there's this whole, definitely this sense of doom. There's lots of explicit stuff about Maul being aware of the plan. But when it kind of was breaking down what I thought was at stake for different characters, that idea of can anything change from the way, you know, it's on the train tracks heading this way. Can it change? is uh what really popped to me did does that make sense to you or did you read it or feel it in a different way no no sorry that sounded really but no no um 
<laughs> you're 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 spot on here, and and I said to you off air, but I, you know you let, you put you put these notes together uh, always so well. But this week for some reason, I, I watched this episode four times. It's like three and a half, and like the half was just like me jumping to, to moments. And um, uh, your notes really help me focus on this theme and just how I think it is really present. You talk about the shadow that's looming, the train down the track, uh, something wicked this way comes. It's all there. But then the folk, I mean, for Maul, we're going to go into the beats, obviously, but for Maul to be like, every choice you've ever made has led to this moment. It's what you and I talk a, a lot about destiny, particularly in Star Wars is not necessarily a journey there. It's 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 getting to getting you to that point of choice. So that's there for Ahsoka. But then to tie it into Anakin is is something I did not expect to get out of this episode and maybe even Clone Wars this season, if that makes sense for, for anybody out there. You know, like I, I was not expecting to to have the shadow of Skywalker be over all of this. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the great uh, sort of sleight of hand of we know the story of of Maul, and in the future we know that he is even going to go back to that single minded obsession mm. uh, with Kenobi. Uh, we know, you know, from Rebels that he has some uh, thoughts and feelings about uh, in reactions to Vader in general. Yeah, uh, but that was a great sleight of hand that oh he yeah yeah he'd love to kill Kenobi out of revenge, but he is obsessed with Skywalker as a. Uh, Mm-hmm. So many people have uh, been obsessed with some Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, so I want to break down some of the points where I, I felt like this theme uh, was bubbling to the surface or just explicitly on the surface and, and get uh, our takes on it. One of the big picture things is Maul wanting to change fate. He is aware of half of the plan. He seems haunted by the plan. And as the episode rolls on, we learn that first he wants to get uh, Kenobi and Skywalker there so he maybe can just kill Anakin since Anakin is the key but then he also has the well if that doesn't work uh, maybe Ahsoka you and I can join up and we can kill Sidious and all of it from Maul's perspective boils down to he seems really aware that this change is coming and and he seems haunted by the fact that it can't be stopped and yet everything he's doing is some attempt to change it or stop it right and it's so interesting to see someone so associated with the dark side be afraid of the growing dark side, but also I think seeing uh, opportunity for uh, climbing that ladder of chaos, which he talks about, but that's more just on the ground level of his, but it, but emotionally, yeah, Maul, you're right. He's afraid and he's so close, like he's so close, like, hey man, turn good. <laughs> like turn good, maybe you can help do something, <laughs> but he's so lost in who he is and who this character is. Uh, I think you're right. That's, that's really an interesting thing. We're so used to seeing the, the good folks be like, Darkness is coming. We must stop it. I, I was intrigued to see him so afraid of the dark side in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you can't tell exactly if it is, I want, like all uh, Sith Lords, like all Darksiders, I want to be the one on top mm-hmm. versus I'm just kind of frightened by this new order versus I want to uh, beat Palpatine and, and rob mm-hmm. something, rob him of his victory out of kind of a vengeance against Palpatine, uh, Sidious, for rejecting him. Mm-hmm. But all of it, the mix of how he's back and forth and all over the map is so great. You, yeah. We talk sometimes about, um, sometimes as fans, we have these canon questions of like, well, does this track? And what I loved about this episode is Maul doesn't track because he's a human. Well, yeah. Death uh, he's a human character who is conflicted 
and it yeah. feels like it, there, there's more painting on this canvas of Maul as a, a Sisyphus like character yeah. where he kind of knows the rock is going to roll back down on me, but here are eight different plans of how it could change this time of how I could beat Sidious and somehow change something for myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll get into the whole, the criminal part of it. Cause he does make some headway on that. But in terms of like changing the master plan, the shape of the galaxy, removing the key that is uh, Skywalker or convincing Ahsoka to just help him destroy Sidious. None of that's going to work out. Yeah. And, and to clarify a little more, when I say like, he's, a, he's afraid of the dark side, he's not, he's not cowering in the corner. I think there's opportunity. I think everything you're talking about is great. The, 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 the wanting to defeat Sidious, it, it, but just, there's this, he's just, it's just, it's so weird that it, it is kind of haunting him. It's haunting him that, oh, oh man, this is, we better, you better brace for impact because this is going to be big. And, and, and I just like to see it. And I love that you said he is conflicted. This is maybe the most, the most, uh, uh, empathy I've had from all, <laughs> especially at the end of this episode. Uh, and not actually take that back, not counting the, the final moments and, and rebels. I, I'd say that's probably the, the, the highest example of that, but you know what I mean? Like, so I love what you're saying. Yeah. There's, I've never really seen Maul in this light and I, I don't want anyone yeah. think, I don't want anyone to think, I, th- I think he's cowering from the dark side to just like this, whoa, this, this can't be stopped, but let's try to, cause it'll help me if I do. Yeah. It's more like, I think, you know, there's that illusion that the dark side gives you focus and control. Uh, it's one of those, you know, selling points of, uh, of the dark side and of anger. And it, it seems like Maul is so out of place of like, I can't, uh, this wave of, of darkness is not that's coming that I can feel that I know it, mm-hmm. I can't control. Like I, I want to try to be in, in control of that wave of darkness. And, and there's a part of him that knows I can't, I can't. but he's still trying. Yeah. <laughs> can yeah. he change yeah. destiny? Uh, so moving on to another uh, thought for me is I was really affected in that Kenobi call that I feel like uh, it was really set up this idea of what if Ahsoka had been able to reach Anakin mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we're going to talk about it in detail with the Kenobi call, but that setup of Obi-Wan wanting Ahsoka to make contact with Anakin because Obi-Wan knows that she needs, it, it will be a positive impact for Anakin to hear from Ahsoka. And the second I heard that, it felt like one of those what if moments that I've enjoyed turning around in my head again and again. And, and I know other fans have of what are these pivotal moments for Anakin where could it have made a difference? And it, it goes to the heart of like Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, when you study Shakespeare plays about what was the moment of no return? Where, where were the moments where something could have intervened and the, and the tragic figure could have made a different choice. And this just really struck me as if in these deep moments of turmoil, Anakin had been able to hear from Ahsoka, would it have made a difference? Would it have changed destiny? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I think, we, I, I think we have, I, 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 in my head, I have that answer. You know, I, I believe we're going to dive into it more. I, going to season two of Rebels, you just see it. You just see it would have made a huge difference. And which is a, a love that they, that they paid respect to Ahsoka via the mind and heart of Kenobi in this moment. Yeah, yeah. So, f- for your answer to this, do you feel like it would have made a difference for Anakin if he had been able to hear a message of, you know, support and love, or just seeing this person that, he, that of all the people in his life, Anakin ha- can make up a reason to be mad at them? Um, with mm-hmm. in he in in Revenge of the Sith, he even gets to that point with Padme where he starts, yeah. you know, twisting her words a little bit uh, and giving into his anger. 
do you think Ahsoka is someone that he can't find a way to twist any of her words or thoughts into a place of anger? If she, she had got to him at the right time, and this is about the right time, and, you know, I should have watched Revenge of the Sith yesterday. Gosh, I should have done that. Um, just laying it down <laughs> on that map there of the story. Um, I think, I think to your point of could he have found a way to be angry with her? He could have if, if she is one more person between him and saving Padme. I, I think he's willing to throw everything aside as we do see. I just think she knows him in a way, uh, maybe because there's so much uh, similar about her, you know, in some of the stuff. There's a reason they paired her together. And I think, I think she could have, and the, but the question is, I don't think it would have been like a, huh, Oh, you're right. All right. I'll stay with the Jedi Order. She might have convinced him to leave the Jedi Order or follow her path or, hey, I, you know, this is what I've learned. Going back to their final moments in uh, when she walks away from the Jedi Order, he, he's got that Roman through his head, I think. So that's where I go. That's where I go. I think at some point it would have been too late. But yeah, she had a, yeah. she had the best shot, which is why Kenobi understood it. Yeah. We always talk about these moments, and I think we, we've done even some longer episodes on Force Center where, you know, people have sent in questions like, well, if, if Qui-Gon had lived and, mm. and raised Anakin, would it have happened? You know, and I always go to, no matter what happened, no matter what influences he had, it's always this question of, ultimately, it's his choice. And, you know, external forces can improve his life, make things better. You know, mm. what if what if the Jedi had rescued Shmi? All these things. It's one of the, the things I really like about Star Wars is this central tragedy of Anakin. And we always get to ask that question. What Mm. would have made a difference? And it goes to the the theme we're talking about of, can you change destiny or was his destiny to just be standing there in front of Windu and Sidious and nothing else, but that moment matters. He has to make that choice. Um, Mm. and, And getting to have this fun question as Star Wars fans of, can you change that? Or is that his destiny? Mm. Poor Anakin. <laughs> poor Anakin. Poor Anakin. Poor Anakin. Poor Anakin. Uh, up to a point. Up to a point. Uh, did he want to give in to his anger? Mm, yeah. Uh, anyway, some great stuff there. Great stuff there. Uh, moving on. Uh, you mentioned this. This idea of uh, changing destiny. Maul just really underlines highlights of you know every choice you've made led you to this moment. The idea that uh, we are seeing. Uh, this big story of destiny play out from the perspective of Ahsoka who left the order and Maul who was uh, rejected uh, by the Sith in this idea that all their choices have brought them to this moment. Uh, do you, do you think that's true or do you think that's just um, Maul trying to make the moment momentous for them as well? I think I, especially when I watched it again this morning, there and this might be, but I like that he's like you were rejected. She's like, well, I, no, not not really. He's like, <laughs> oh, but you were rejected. Uh, sure, I guess I was rejected. <laughs> it's just like he's trying to spin this into his into his uh, to justify him his actions for himself and to make him feel comforted. Uh, the, she was rejected from a certain point of view, but she then grew and made the choice more on that later. But, uh, so that, that's where I went with that, all that kind of that whole sequence of just, I found someone who I can connect with. She, well, not really, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot going on with that. But in terms of this idea of, can you change your destiny? I think it was, it was fascinating to me 
because it's one of those lines that just, it always sounds great in a trailer, right? Of like everything has led to this. And we, you know, we got some of that in, in rise of Skywalker. Yep. Uh, and it's always fun to like go into the world of the story and go, is that, is that true? Uh, mm. Or is that mall trying to make more of a connection there yeah. than there is? Mm. Uh, and I do like the contrast that you're bringing up that is Ahsoka chose to leave and mm. Maul's like, well, yeah, but it was motivated by them doing bad stuff. Right. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> but I made a choice. You got thrown out, dude. And it does seem like there is like this great tension where that, where this might be a huge moment uh, of fate uh, in destiny. And maybe they, maybe if it went differently, Maul and Ahsoka could have changed destiny, but it does yeah. feel like Maul arguing for, predestination that they're yeah. on the train together and it's okay going no I'm, i made choices dude yeah I, I, I like that yeah from mall's point of view he's like did you get rejected and then go into the criminal underworld and become a bounty hunter and a smuggler no no i actually started uh, helping people oh but you <laughs> you did it on 1313 yeah, yeah just it's yeah poor mall <laughs> yeah to a point let me tell you the story of trace and rafa yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, another uh, another moment in this uh, uh, sort of uh, theme of change is is Anakin the chosen one or the Phantom Apprentice and are they any different? Uh, mm. Is he destined to be one or the other or are they one in the same? Yeah, mm, they are. They are. It's so funny. They're 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 one in the same, but it's like along the way, Anakin just kept kept doubling down on bad choices. So again, I, it, it's no clear answer to me because in a way, I think I think both both these titles are right. Yeah, yeah. I think what what grabbed me there about that moment is that they are fighting. Maul and Ahsoka are fighting over what they perceive to be two different paths mm -hmm. for Anakin uh, in two different titles. From Ahsoka's point of view, he's the chosen one who the prophecy says is going to bring balance to the Force by destroying the Sith. And from Maul's perspective, he is the phantom apprentice who has been duped into being the agent of, of death and destruction for the Jedi. Mm. And, you know, we as the audience have the benefit of knowledge of knowing right. well <laughs> from a certain point of view it's yeah. both things because he does of course bring destruction to the jedi but eventually in return of the jedi he uh fulfills the prophecy uh, depending on your point of view but for now I'll, I'll just share my point of view he fulfills the prophecy by ridding himself of vader and destroying sidious so uh, it's this interesting in their conflict they are fighting over the soul of who is Anakin Skywalker. Mm. Uh, and from our perspective, they both get to be right <laughs> over the course yeah. of uh, lots of decades and lots of horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots, lots of horror. Uh, yeah. It, it, and, and it's just, uh, I, I think the big why for me in this moment is just, you know, why is, why is it, how, why is how you look at things important? And, you look uh, the the approach, and we'll break it down a little bit more. But Ahsoka's point of view, how, how just more healthy and positive <laughs> and hopeful it is, and his point of view is is the opposite of that. And again, both are not wrong. But I just like I I really take that lesson there. How how you look at things might determine where it goes. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, my last point on this idea of can you change your destiny is uh, it's it's um, underlined pretty explicitly by Maul. Uh, he calls them blissfully ignorant. 
but a lot of the uh, machinery of this episode is the Mandalorians and the clones and the uh, Maldalorians, as people call yeah. them, the Mandalorians loyal to Maul. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stories I'm fighting, and they're just pawns. Uh, and it feels like in terms of changing their own destiny, the clones and the Mandalorians are characters that we've followed in other episodes across the Clone Wars and, in other, you know, for the Mandalorians, other parts of Star Wars. In this episode, they're just drenched with you guys think you are making a difference in your own lives. And we kind of, as an audience know you're not. Mm. I love this as it relates to the, to the clones right now, because I think we're, I think this is going to kind of continue to be played with of, of when faced with what you are supposed to be, uh, what actions can you, can you do to change it if you're not happy with it there? And, and Rex, Rex and that chip, I'm looking at how that gets yanked out of his head because we've seen that in Rebels. We've seen the scar. We know it's not present now. So I think uh, I think this is still at play in this story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think for, for Rex, for sure. I think for me, what I was affected by is in other episodes of the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the back and forth of the Clone Wars, we kind of ultimately as an audience know, well, it's all a manipulation. But other episodes of the Clone Wars, it's really important and vital of whether or not uh, the separatists or the Republic wins a battle on Ryloth or on right. other planets, you know, and this battle for the, the soul of Mandalore for control of Mandalore between, you know, the former death watch, the Moldalorians and, you know, Bo-Katan who's noble and the clones who don't want to be cops. They yeah. want to be, you know, a- agents of the Republic, but they're, they're doing this because they think it's right. And they have all of these big weighty perspectives and themes that, in a different episode of Clone Wars in a different era would be the point of the episode. Right. But in this, it's just like, uh, they're pawns of uh, Sidious. And in this particular battle, they're, they're pawns of Maul. And it just really hit me of the, all those people fighting and dying, whatever the outcome was, the empire and Sidious are coming and that's the way it's going to be. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I like it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, especially uh, there was the uh, line of Maul uh, orchestrating this whole war for Anakin, which I definitely want to talk about down the line. But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, you're all just chess pieces, and, and that's sad. That's tragic. Yeah, it was hard to watch a lot of characters that you like and are are in, extremely intriguing being really really being moved about um, yeah. is chess pieces who maybe aren't changing their own destiny as much as they feel they are in the moment. Right. Uh, so I uh, want to move on to the other kind of big theme uh, in this one was also discussed fairly explicitly by Maul, but this idea that knowledge is both a gift and a curse. A lot of the actual mechanics of this episode are really built on who knows when and what and how much uh, are, do they benefit from having this knowledge versus how much are they just tortured by it? Right. Um, so, uh, Maul being haunted by knowing a part of the plan, knowing most of the plan, but not all of it. And I love that they just explicitly stated that, you know, he, not even he was made entirely aware of the grand design, but he knows the moment is coming. Like he knows so much more than everybody else, but he doesn't know. And uh, I, I watched it this morning with the, um, with the captioning on. Yeah. Uh, there, he, Maul sighs so much. <laughs> it, it really, really drives home the sort of like being haunted. There's there's so much musing mm. and sighing where he's half get, talking to somebody else in the room and he's half just oh, spinning yeah. it out because he has to, uh, that all of it feels like 
well, he, he's got one up on everybody because he knows more, but he still doesn't know enough and he's haunted by the plan. Yeah, and to me, he's, he's learning a lot of it along the way and has been for a few... What's the last week they talk about how eh, Maul's kind of been depressed for like six weeks or feeling weird, you know? They're, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, yeah. So I like what you're yeah, saying. Olmec says he's been haunted by dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a lot going on. And I, and I, I go back to like, I don't know, him in a cave with spider legs, just probably anger, vengeance, evilness, keeping him alive. And now now he's starting to learn a little bit more of how he got there and, and how it's just messing with his brain, man. Yeah. Sighing. Yeah. <laughs> Musing and sighing, the Darth Maul story. Um, then this other idea in terms of uh, knowledge uh, was this idea that knowledge was really lost by Anakin killing Dooku. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that because in Revenge of the Sith, you know, it's hard not to feel that moment as this is a key moment in Sidious's manipulation of Anakin, where it's a little bit more of a fine line of, well, if Anakin defeated Dooku in combat, so be it. But this choice to execute him, it, it, it makes you just think about it all from Anakin's perspective, from Sidious's plot perspective. It was great to pull back here and go, it's also a tactical problem mm-hmm. because we lost a bunch of knowledge. I uh, love that you highlight that. I, I I think this is one of the great examples of how you can re- contextualize the scene we're so familiar with it doesn't take everything that you just said is so much it's that's the that's the headline but the 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 sub headline the the opening act is this idea of the added weight to his death because uh, this is this is information that was needed this is information they've been looking for we especially been reading these books and comics and movies going back to the 90s man i'm including some legend stuff they're looking for these answers right they're looking for it and the, the key witness just got killed. <laughs> like I, I, I myself had never really focused on that to a, to a, a you know, a, a, a measurable degree and to have it put in the spotlight. I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too. And we'll talk more about that. Our, our key phrase here on force center. We'll talk more about that, but uh, moving on in this theme of knowledge, uh, the kind of explicit parts of the actual plot is Maul pulling knowledge from uh, Jesse's mind and uh, Maul just explicitly stating, you know, information is important. Go kill Almec, uh Gar Saxon to hide what he knows. How did that, how did that hit you? Did it make you the real explicit parts? Did it make you think about, how much knowledge is a gift versus a curse? Uh, oh, yeah, especially in war, especially in uh, negotiations, especially everything. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Uh, and, and, and says something to me that, um, um, not, not says something to me about Almec, like he was a good guy at heart, but just that Maul knows, that guy's weak. He's got, we, he's going to fail, <laughs> kill him. He's done. He was just another piece. Yeah. I just was using him the whole time. Yeah, he's going to sing like a Mandalorian canary, uh, mm-hmm. and it, uh, it, it does play out that way. But I like this was a great uh, example of something that it was an explicit part of the machinery of the plot, also having these deeper levels, which I really, really enjoy. So you it gets your mind thinking about what what is uh, what does having knowledge mean tactically? How can it affect you emotionally? What does it mean when you don't have it and you think you have it and you can dive into all that? And it made me also think uh, my final point on that theme how much this episode extends that theme to the viewer because this episode hinges so much on the fact that we, the audience know much more than everyone in the story. Yeah. 
Yeah, which brings you, you talked about the doom, the the, the 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 shadow rolling towards us here that can't be stopped. I think it just really adds to the tension aspect. You can't turn away because we know it's coming. I mean, we literally think, uh, you know, I think Order sixty six is seconds away. I don't know, you know, like it's just everything's hanging over, and that's because we know, and and they and they played with that so well, so well. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what is affecting me about it is there's those moments of just like effective tragedy because you know, generally uh, where Anakin is at, uh, what's happening with him and you, you know, the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin. So you get that great feeling of, Oh, what if, what if, what if she had been able to get through to him? Mm. Uh, But the other part of it for me, having all this knowledge as an audience is kind of a vote in favor of prequels in general you know i think there's still a lot of fans who are like ah enough with prequels because we know what's going to happen i think this episode is such a great example of what can be extremely joyful and different because you do have Mm. information and it for me it felt like going into a room that you know super well but suddenly it's in shadows and you like you that that interesting uncomfortable feeling of i know this room like the back of my hand Suddenly there's something in here that I don't know. And it, it makes you feel this great tension of one moment of this episode, you feel so on top of everything because Maul's like, I don't even know the whole great design. And, and as the audience, we're like, we do. Uh, but then new things come up with the Soka and with Maul that he had this vision of Skywalker. And suddenly this whole story that you think, you know, really, really well gets to surprise you and it's a it's a different feeling because it knocks you out of that place of comfort you were in seconds ago yeah when when these kind of stories are done right it is this real real uh good character study and i take it as as that as you know i don't know say the, the people uh casting andor series when we know what happens and even diego luna said what a challenge to come to the to a character in a story that we already know the ending to because i think you start kind of you can really play along with just our, us, our point of view, you talk about this meta element. Like, yeah, we know. Sit back and enjoy the ride because no one there knows. And what are you going to learn? What are you going to learn looking back? What do you learn by looking back in your own life now that you know? What would you have done differently? It's interesting tension for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and that feeling of we think we know what happened, but right. maybe there's some element of it that we are right. wrong. There's some part of it that we don't understand or we've always uh, read that way because we inferred one line, you know, from an yeah. existing thing. But then when you really look at it, it's from a different point of view. It is different, um, which is uh, the tension I'm really enjoying here. Love it. Uh, we talk about the moral of the episode. Uh, this continues to be uh, a moralless <laughs> chunk of Clone Wars. The way they're, uh, this one narrative is being br- broken up into these episodes, there is no moral. Uh, what do you think the moral would be if there was a moral for this individual chunk of yeah. the Clone Wars? See, I'm trying to phrase it like a like a pretty little flower of a sentence here, and I don't know if I can do that. Um, uh, the choices you make... Um, the choices you make are, are, oh gosh, help me here. Trying to say the choice, the choice to be better is always present, but it depends greatly on your certain point of view. Um, but that's just a Star Wars scramble bag uh, uh, itself. Um, but I'm, it, to me, it's about uh, uh, how you look at the, how you look at your choices is determines the next step you might make. 
Ooh, yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that's uh, pretty close to uh, what I wrote down. I wrote down two ideas because I'm I'm obsessed, Ken. Mm. Uh, but I, I just want to share the one. Uh, yeah. The key to choice is knowledge. I like that. I like that. Uh, it feels it feels that feels similar to what I, it feels like you are saying of this idea that choice is always present. But what do you need to make? A choice, you know, and and to me, it it, it it what's going on with these two different themes of changing destiny versus knowledge is, you know, Ahsoka is pure and good and in the right and has been through all this to to be in the right headspace. But you're kind of watching the episode going. She doesn't know everything she needs to know to make mm-hmm. the absolute best choices. She can only make the best choice for the moment she's in. Yep, I like that. Write that down. You did. <laughs> written down written down uh we're gonna move on here uh we always talk about the action uh we put this in this uh, clone wars report uh reviews of each episode of clone wars because there's usually a lot of action mm. it's been up and down sometimes uh there wasn't a ton of action in some of the uh trace and rafa episodes but man the action is back so did you have a favorite action moment uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot. We'll leave the lightsaber fight for later. And there's one moment with Bo-Katan. I think we'll talk about later too, that I just want to be highlighted. But, uh, uh, there was, there was for me, uh, I enjoyed, oh gosh, there was that moment where there's the explosions. It's not even a big giant moment, but it's the, the explosions and Maul just kind of says, don't you think someone should go deal with that? And it just, <laughs> it sounded so good. It was, it was a great star wars war moment and we didn't even see it we just heard the explosions saw the explosions and it was kind of beauty in the horror of war which i think george does a lot i think battle geonosis has some beautiful moments that are telling you how horrible war is so i don't know i just like that moment it was it was it was like a moving painting of war Oh, I think that's a great choice. Yeah, just the sounds of those explosions and their their meaning that it was life or death for the people outside. But for Maul, it was just sort of like, mm-hmm. Bo-Katan, go away. I have to talk to Ahsoka now. Yeah. <laughs> but said in like such a snarky, a-hole way. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, well, Like you said, we'll talk about the lightsaber fight in detail. A moment outside of the lightsaber fight. I loved Maul just sort of bending Bo-Katan's laser bolts away. Uh-huh. Just the the point of view on that shot and uh, you know we've seen we've seen uh, force users block bolts we've seen vader kind of catch them in his hand block them with his hand so this was really fun to just have him like bend like some little cartoon toy of like boing nope <laughs> well, well joseph i'm going to disagree with you there this was a new force power i'd never seen before i'm going to need 14 <laughs> pages in some legends book explaining this power before i accept it no oh okay no oh, all right no it was beautiful yeah beautiful mall mall only knows the power to bend bolts that's the bend bolt force power roll roll uh, your love. bend bolt ability <laughs> roll your bend bolt ability a uh, bend bolt is my new star wars fanfic <laughs> character as well so um, look for stories about bend bolt coming up soon we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to be back looking at all of the details of the phantom apprentice Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we are back on the Clone Wars Report here to discuss The Phantom Apprentice and all of its beautiful, sad, thrilling details. Uh, we're going to start right at the very, very beginning. That's how detailed we're going. Uh, we start in the undercity of Sundari on Mandalore, exactly where we left off from last week. So how is this direct cliffhanger feeling uh, grabbing you? Are you enjoying it? I can't escape what you kind of put in my head, uh, which is this is just a movie. <laughs> and I've broken it up. <laughs> I, I just I now fully believe this will be a, a movie on Disney Plus, a special event. Uh, watch the final Clone Wars story 
Uh, I it just, it's, and it's, and it's been done beautifully. That's not a bad thing. This is like, it's really working. It's, we haven't seen this before in Clone Wars with no intro, the no, the lack of the opening song, the, the, the moral tale, uh, all that stuff. I, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm on board for it. It's winning me over. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that last week, uh, with all of those specific changes, but also that tone of like, let's really, let's really elevate this. Let's really remind people that this is a part of the saga in, in this epic story. And then I, I was kind of expecting it to start exactly where it left off because it, it was a cliffhanger and it would have been weird to start uh, later and skip some of that. Uh, but then I saw a tweet from Sam Whitmer, uh, obviously doing a great job as Maul, uh, mm-hmm. saying, remember, you've only seen half of this movie. And he just straight up in his tweet called it a movie. <laughs> Did not see that. Yeah. So uh, I'm really enjoying it just as cliffhanger. It's fun for me uh, to see actual Star Wars cliffhangers. I I know I go on about how much uh, I think Lucas was inspired by serial adventure and things that literally had cliffhangers. And the original trilogy really does go, oh, they escaped this one problem. And then in just a few moments, here's another. Uh, It's fun to see Star Wars cut that way. And I would really love at some point to see a Star Wars project, another animated series that really, really leans into it. Um, I've been watching some classic Doctor Who that was originally set up as a serial that really every, you know, 20, 20 plus minutes, uh, there's a literal cliffhanger of like a sudden revelation or somebody is in danger. And I love that spirit in Star Wars. And I'd love to see some story just lean all the way in. Would you be into that or would that feel too contrived to you? No, no, it's it, it's the spirit of everything we've come to love. And, and I think when it works best, that's how it goes. So, yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. Nice, nice. And the feeling that this is, uh, these episodes, this arc is a eventually going to be available as a movie. Is it changing how you absorb the individual episodes at all? Uh, no, not yet. No, I, 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 no, I, I haven't, I can't say that. Um, I, I thought about it. You know, including the, by the way, you know, last week, I think I, I particularly was a little grumpy on the original Lucasfilm logo popping up. And now that I see it looks as though they're taking us a tour through the logos of the past, <laughs> I am uh, a little less um, grumpy over it. I, apologies, everybody. Stay luminous. Choose the light side. Uh, so, no, I, 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 I just at one point thought to myself, oh, this is going to be fun. And then maybe, that you know, I don't know, deleted scenes or their deleted scenes. I mean. I know there are deleted scenes in animated programs, but would that even be enticing to you all? Like, let's rewatch it again, but we're going to put a couple more beats in it that you didn't see before or something. I don't know. Even if they just said it's it's the same four episodes just in one story. I just got excited to see it again in that way, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying what's going on now. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to hear the details afterwards. I think that for sure it's going to be available on Disney Plus and marketed as, hey, now you can see it the way it was intended as a movie. And I'll, I'm going to love to hear the decisions behind this of if it was written and constructed as a movie, did somebody think that 12 episodes sounds better than eight episodes in a movie? Did they think that sounded uh, too much like the uh, community joke of <laughs> six seasons in a movie, you know? Uh, right. Yeah, so that, that'll that be really interesting to get those behind-the-scenes details. We're going to move on into the meat of the episode. Uh, thought of this first scene is Attack of the Exposition because we learn a lot. Uh, we learn that Maul really doesn't know much uh, about who Ahsoka is and what her whole deal is. Uh, he immediately hints that the trap was for both Kenobi and Skywalker. doesn't say it, but hints. Uh, and Maul even muses that the moment might be here if Kenobi has a more important mission. Um, 
tells Ahsoka that the Jedi will be over soon and Darth Sidious will reign. Uh, how did it hit you to hear all of these major events just spoken of out loud so quickly in, in such rapid succession? You know, I, I guess I'm, I'm taking that in in several different ways as, as just a longtime fan getting giddy that we're closer to some of these big events and that we're seeing the, the these characters learn about it. I, I'm obsessed with kind of how Maul is learning about a lot of that stuff, learning about Ahsoka, but just so I'm, and then I'm, but, but I'm also nervous for like, is this going to change anything? Is this going to be something new? And, and it's, 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 it's actually been a lot of fun, but to actually hear it said, especially to two characters be, between two characters in this moment that are not in revenge of the Sith. Like, I don't know. It was a nerd. It was a nerd moment for me. Yeah, it's a great nerd chills moment. I think we have had the opportunity to see how Order sixty six affects other people. Hell, we got to you know play it in the the, uh, the recent uh, video game as Cal Kestis uh, and live oh, yeah. through it. Um, obviously, there's stuff, uh, great storytelling with uh, Caleb Doom uh, Kanan. But I think Maul, since he originated in the films, he was you know the symbol of the Phantom Menace in the marketing in a lot of ways. Ahsoka has yeah. come to be like one of the most beloved characters. So to see these super central to Star Wars characters discussing this, it's amazing to make um, Revenge of the Sith in Order 66 just feel fresh again and almost like being reminded that it's not just the Skywalker story, that it has weight across the galaxy. And this is the time that we get to hear how it affected these major, major characters. Uh, yeah, I love uh, there's you could start to form with new Star Wars storytelling uh, collection of seconds before Order 66 moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just uh, I'm thinking a lot of the one I'll probably mention again, I'm sure. But the one in Catalyst, you know, of just Galen and Lyra and where it comes. At, yeah. And then you, you mentioned the Fallen Order moment. So uh, yeah, I like all that. And then there's something there's something I don't know. Uh, you touched upon it there. Uh, it's something really powerful about Ahsoka who years ago, whether you liked her or not, or grew to love or whatever, we always had this like, well, where was she during Revenge of the Sith? Come on. Now we have that answer, and it is more involved than I ever would have thought. You know, like, that that's a really, really great point, because I know for myself, sitting in the, in the actual theater in 2008 to see the uh, in-theater version of the Clone Wars movie, my first time meeting Ahsoka, my first thought was, how are they going to get around <laughs> murdering yeah. this young woman who in this uh, you know first story is being played for her innocence and her comedy and her charm and it's unavoidable yeah. avoidable from a certain perspective that like how's she going to die uh so to see it finally come full circle in, in so many ways but to hear the words Darth Sidious said to Ahsoka and she's come so far from who she was in that movie is, is really impactful uh, for the story. And just kind of, for me is, is my journey as a fan. Mm, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, we all had that moment and, and they've, even when she leaves the Jedi order, I remember thinking, Oh man, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to do it. She's, she's out of the picture and, and, and nope, she's, she's in it. She's around the corners, and I like that. Yeah, she's right back in that picture. Anything else in that little chunk that you wanted to uh, discuss? Uh, no, there's. Big, I want to save my words for bigger things coming. <laughs> that is perhaps the wisest thing that uh, that you I've, I've heard you say. It's a great wisdom, <laughs> great wisdom. Not to take away from any of your other wise, wise no, moments, but no. we're going to move on. So uh, the clones arrive to support Ahsoka. Uh, she so- shows her skills by uh, subtly calling them. Um, 
Maul puts off the conflict with Ahsoka saying, not yet. Uh, at this point, did you feel bad for Ahsoka being really clueless compared to Maul and the audience? That's an interesting way to that's an interesting way to phrase it. And I think I maybe felt that a little bit more later on. And I was more focused on uh, my personal intrigue for Maul in this moment. I love the moment. And, hey, it's a great read. Great, great. You know, Whitworth's, Whitworth's great, man. He's, he's great at trivia. He's great at this. We get it. We get it. He's good looking. All right, we get it about <laughs> Whitworth. I love his moment here where he goes, why you? And we got that last week, right? And that last week was more of this big general, like, why are you here? I want, I, and we're all thinking he wanted Kenobi, which he does. Part of it. Part of it. wants Anakin. I love the way it's played here of this realization that there's a new plan in front of him or why is she here? It is almost like Maul is, is, is watch is, is experiencing this life, this story. Like we always say, we watch star Wars where he's like, not the how or the what, why, 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 why? you? Yeah. It's one of my favorite moments of this that it's like, uh Oh, so I, I, I think to, to try or maybe to fail to answer your question there, I wasn't feeling too bad for Ahsoka. I was more like, Oh God, Maul's onto something bigger. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had this moment of empathy for Ahsoka because uh, while Maul is still searching for more knowledge, he, he knows so much more than her, like the moment, you know, and I think it, it just, uh, there, there was a, a sadness for me of having the rug pulled out from under Ahsoka because she's done so much uh, to find herself and to grow and to find her footing and know why she's here. Uh, on Mandalore, mm-hmm. and this is the, it, it happens more, but this is the first moment where it's like, yeah, this is this isn't just go go catch the uh, the bad guy and help the people of Mandalore like you think. There's so much more to it than than poor Ahsoka knows right now. Uh, and then that was coupled interestingly with what you're talking about, which is what does Maul know and what does Maul not know? And I love that he delivers that. It's like Maul uh, delivering it like he's Sherlock Holmes, where he's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. no, the game is afoot. Uh, <laughs> And I like that when when I first watched it, the not yet was like, okay, what what exactly is that about? But then on the rewatch, it was great to understand he's making plan B because he was all set up yeah. with his plan for Kenobi and Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And that that sort of interesting wisdom uh, from Maul of like, oh, before I'm gonna fight you or deal with you any in any way, I'm gonna figure out who you are and what your deal is and what your perspective is is this strange, uh, scary calculating uh, from Maul. Yeah, he he's in tune to the Force. Be, dark side is still being somewhat in tune, right? And I, 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 that's, I think he's like almost asking the Force that. Yeah. Because he obviously believes in, 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 in this destiny. He understands the power of choice. But I think he's got this, hey, you, you know, you got things happen for a reason, uh, whether you want to or not. And, and it's just like, hey, Force, why is the girl here? What girl? Oh, he's almost. Uh, yeah. And so I love, I love it. I love it. it was, I, you know, it was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, yeah. Another, another great moment for Whitmer, as well as his appearance on River, Riverdale. I'll say, shout out for that. Uh, we're gonna move on away from Riverdale. <laughs> he's great in the mist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll do our all the roles of Whitmer uh, podcast at some point. But for now, we're gonna move on to one of my favorite parts of this episode: a call with Kenobi. Um, Breaking it up into kind of two parts here, uh, we get Obi-Wan checking in on the Mandalore battle with Bo-Katan, uh, Ahsoka asking about Darth Sidious, Obi-Wan tells her everything, uh, and Bo-Katan too, pretty immediately, uh, oh, yeah. all the way from him hearing uh, the name Darth Sidious from Dooku, uh, to the Council's suspicion that the Clone Wars was a manipulation, and uh, that we have no knowledge available uh, from Dooku 
because Anakin killed him. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, I have a specific question I want to ask, but first I, I want to ask, mm. if, just from that chunk, what, what did you get out of it? Well, let me tell you the first thing I got out of it. <laughs> um, they played it so well because they know what kind of fans, what kind of Star Wars fans are watching. They know what we're anticipating here. And that moment where there's a pause, it's so, and James Arnold Taylor, man, he's so great. There's a pause of, well, because Anakin killed Dooku. You could almost hear collectively around the Star Wars world, we're in the Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> like, I, so I had that reaction. I just went, oh, damn, we're doing it. We are doing it. We are not just thinking we're around the corner. We are literally in the beats of the movie now. Um, you know, again, no surprise, but just to actually see it like, and it was played so well. So I have to start from that point of view before I go into some uh, smarter analysis. <laughs> I just had the uh, watching it Saturday morning, which which I did this week. Uh, no, excuse me, Friday morning. Uh, the first time just went like, ah, uh-huh, sip my coffee because it's going to get good. Yeah, yeah, that that's huge. And, and I definitely want to talk about just that impact of we are in it now. We are in the Revenge of the Sith. Uh, some things I loved. Uh, last week, there was this push-pull uh, in debate between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan about what is right uh, in who needs their help more, the people of Mandalore or uh, the people of Coruscant, or is it just the Chancellor and the politics? The fact that Obi-Wan, during all the stuff he has going on, is checking in on the Battle of Mandalore. Like It's easy to kind of ignore that part of the call because it's the beginning, and then we get into this real juicy stuff. But he's talking to... Satine's sister about the tactical situation on Mandalore and it just shows Obi-Wan caring that he wasn't just like yeah 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 whatever yeah yeah I don't know sometimes it feels like Kenobi gets a raw deal in the Clone Wars episodes would you say Joseph I don't know (laughs) so I like showing Kenobi in a very positive light and you're right Satine he does care he got thrown in his face by Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and no oh man, come on, Obi Obi's got this. I love that. Yeah, he is he is there for the people of Mandalore. Uh, I love that he's just checking in. Um, and then uh, just hearing that the Jedi are close to figuring it out. We know that from Revenge of the Sith, but to just have Obi Wan uh, break it down uh, is really really great. And in, in that they are you know that they're so much clearer on, okay, this is a manipulation. It is this Darth Sidious, whoever he is, we got to find him. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that kind of uh, tragedy of pain there. Uh, the other thing that really grabbed me here is because of the whole Dooku exchange. And I love that Obi-Wan just says Anakin killed him because he could have said uh, Obi-Wan is, he does play with words and he, he says what he means. Mm-hmm. He could have said, Thankfully, Anakin defeated Dooku, but unfortunately, in his capture, he died, you know? Yeah. And I I don't think Obi-Wan is entirely privileged, obviously, to what happened. Maybe he senses something in Anakin. Uh, But I I like that it's just Anakin killed him. It's so framed as Anakin's responsibility. And you get that take from Ahsoka that it means something, that it's... Mm. how, How did you read that take from Ahsoka? I, I, it is, it is the first step of shock because it, it's, Dooku's been their enemy for a long time. She doesn't know the context, right? Yeah, big fight, big fight, like you said, but no, the way he phrased it, it, so it's the first crack in the foundation of Anakin, the first seed of doubt in Ahsoka. She knows, she knows enough that that's not necessarily the Jedi way. Again, not being there and not having that conversation. Uh, take the loss of information aside, just from the Anakin point of view. 
that might be something that just doesn't track right away for her. And I think, I think, uh, I think that works for me, plays for me in that way of her like, uh Oh, nope. Yeah. I really like that. It's just that of like, you know, she just had these positive interactions with him. Uh, he's her mm-hmm. kind, noble, brave master. And then it's just a little bit of cold water. Like, yeah, he killed him. And remember that yeah. that's part of the job. That's part of Anakin. She's seen flashes of his anger. Uh, so I like that she just gets to process that that chink in the armor as you're, as you're describing yeah. it. Uh, then moving on to this big piece of information of basically just Dooku had knowledge that would have really helped us. But... Um, well, suddenly, Ahsoka, you are, uh, you're maybe the next hope. Uh, you can get this information from Maul. And I love what this does to Ahsoka, that she was just following what fate put in front of her, right? Bo-Katan asked for help. She cares about the, Ahsoka cares about the people of Mandalore. She thinks that's the way the Jedi should be. Somebody asks for help, and you say yes, and she's going there to help the people of Mandalore. Yes, Maul is a big threat because he's a, he's a dark sider, and of course you want to be able as a, uh, a force of light to take him down. But to me, it shifts massively when it suddenly, actually, you are on one of the most essential mission, missions possible for the Jedi and the Republic. And suddenly it changes from a thing you chose to do to you're on a mission for the Jedi. Yeah, beyond just the added weight of 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 the store of, of of the hey you know the mall's capture is more important than his defeat and and how hard that might be it goes back to what you were saying earlier about just even ahsoka not um not not fully aware not not all the information now it's slowly starting to to come uh around her and 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 the, to put her in the spot of i love we keep talking about destiny yeah that uh all the choices did lead her to this, not by the way Maul thinks and not to the choices maybe Maul wants her to make. So, yeah, the added weight, the added tension. It's a lot in this little Skype call here that's uh, pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think your your point about Destiny is really great that uh, that she continues to kind of not be able to walk away from the Jedi because she chooses yeah. to help. And then suddenly she finds herself with this incredibly important responsibility. Uh, mm-hmm. is uh, is destiny knocking for ahsoka uh, we're going to move on to uh, the second part of the skype call with kenobi which is concern for anakin uh kenobi uh lets uh ahsoka know that he can't come to help uh because he's headed to Utapau. more uh revenge of the sith chills mm-hmm. uh and then ahsoka asks after anakin uh and then kenobi asks everybody else to go away which is man it it works in rom-coms it works in star wars when two people want to talk alone it's the stakes are raised right yes can we have the room please yeah. thank you um so we we get uh some uh information from revenge of the sith anakin is spying on his friend and mentor palpatine ahsoka uh, pushes back on that kenobi admits the council can be wrong and specifically asks ahsoka to contact Anakin. What did this, what did that in particular mean to you for Kenobi and Ahsoka's relationship and for both of their relationships with, with Anakin? It, 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 it meant number one, we know there's trust. Uh, I think there is going to what we had talked about before. And we'll talk about here again of, of Kenobi kind of knowing the level in which Ahsoka and Anakin uh, know each other and have connected and trust each other. But I, I just really go to focus. We always jokingly call, um, not even jokingly, it's, it's said with respect of just Kenobi is the poster child of the Jedi to have him after a lot of things. And and he's had his battles and ups and downs. We know what he did behind their back a little bit to go save Sedin or save Satine or try to get involved in that. Um, for him to just to be like, yeah, there, 
they're wrong sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> and we need to take this uh, path. Uh, again, not for nothing. He's already broken up the 501st and sent half of it with Ahsoka, who's not an official employee. You know, <laughs> he, he doesn't get enough credit for that. But I, I, and that was my big thing for me, was just him to hear him be like, especially here at the end. And I'm, I'm going back to the uh, Geonosis uh, confirm, confrontation or conversation with Dooku. You know, just that's still one of my favorite conversations in Star Wars. And for o- Obi-Wan to be maybe lamenting, like, I, I feel I could have talked to Dooku on some level and maybe not flipped him, but got some information. That's a loss. Council's wrong. There's some impending doom in Obi-Wan's eyes for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it for me, it, this was another part of a, just a, a beautiful picture of justice for Kenobi. He has uh, been the, the poster child. He's the Jedi who does what is asked of him. And he's got mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, frustration or pushing back here and there. A little bit of kind of going off uh, half cocked and doing things his own way uh, and being cocky and arrogant. But this uh, lines up with Revenge of the Sith so well when, uh, you know, Anakin is upset that the Jedi are asking him to do something that's against the code and uh, spy on Palpatine. And there's that great exchange where uh, Obi-Wan basically says, uh, the council is asking you to do this, you know, implying that I don't want you to do this. I mean, you I think a a fair reading of that scene is that Obi-Wan isn't happy about it. And I love that that just gets doubled down and clarified here where Obi-Wan is saying, the council can be wrong. I think they're wrong about asking Anakin to do this. I see the pressure that it's putting him in. I Mm -hmm. sense something off with him. And then the fact that Kenobi asks Ahsoka for help. For me, one, it's, it's, you know, Kenobi and Ahsoka have spent a long time together. We concentrate a lot on the bond between uh, Ahsoka and Anakin. Ahsoka gave it to Kenobi last episode, both barrels. In the fact that this is not Obi-Wan being arrogant. This is Obi-Wan saying, I know how much you and Anakin mean to each other. And I Mm. trust that something that you said, Ahsoka, you could maybe get through to him because you've made such good choices, because you're so pure and wise. That's like the opposite of what Kenobi gets criticized for, of being arrogant Mm. um so the fact that he is asking for ahsoka's help what that means about ahsoka what that means about where they you know possibly leave their relationship is great and then for me there was just like i I got hit with a little bit of star wars poetry some subtle star wars poetry Mm. of a hologram of obi-wan kenobi basically saying yeah you're my only hope ahsoka yeah yeah yeah, uh, that that's beautiful, and I'll tell you why you're talking. I, I don't know. Let's just dive into some Kenobi stuff. Um, I love that you, if, if, if you know, Filoni's studying, studying, studying that scene with Anakin and Obi Wan and him. Uh, Anakin, the, the, it's the Council, and for him to come back here and admit, yeah, the Council can be wrong. How does this play? I, and I got, I'm, I'm literally as I'm talking, I'm holding. I have a stack of Force Center Speculate Responsibly stickers in my hand because <laughs> we we just mailed out some of our trading cards to Patreon people, and I uh, slipped some in there. And I got to remind, I'm holding it, looking at it literally as I'm talking because in in the in the forthcoming Kenobi series, this thought of of if and it's a big if we don't know. I don't have scripts in my hand, but just the idea of if if he really feels maybe there's one reason for me to go save Anakin one last time. Go back to this stuff. Go back to this stuff where he's looking at all the things that went wrong and could have been changed. And and damn it, that council, they put pre- they knew what they were doing, and I knew it was wrong, and I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. 
I owe him a little bit more than that. I, I, I hope some of that stuff connects because it's powerful Kenobi stuff to me. Yeah. Oh, man, I think that's a, that's a really, really great point that this could be laying some foundation for uh, whatever happens in that Kenobi series. That's great. Yeah, or, or he fights some pirates over water. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Kenobi and the water pirates. That sounds exciting. Uh, there's a there's a brief exchange here at the end where uh, you know uh, Soka has to go because there's been an attack, uh, and Obi Wan basically uh, says, "I will I will tell Anakin for you, Ahsoka, what you would have told him." Uh, do you think Do you think Ahsoka's clear on what she would have said to Anakin? Um. Uh, I, I'm, I, yeah, this was the big, what if this was, uh, the, the, what, what is Finn trying to say of this episode? Um, I, 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 I think she would have, uh, you know, she always, she's always hope there. Um, I, I go back to what I said up top of the show. Sorry, I'm kind of struggling over it there, but I, I just believe she would have said it's time for you to leave the order, but not in a super negative way. Just like, look what I've learned. Look what I've discovered. You can still be the Jedi that I know you are mm. outside of this. I, I, I go to towards that. I go towards that. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, I think there's something that I like about that shot where I think Ahsoka, of course, would want to reach out to Anakin, I think. Yeah. But that she is not, that she almost seems uncertain of what she would say, but, and, but Obi-Wan feels like, you know, I, I got it, you know? I, yeah. I think just when when I try to take off the super analytical hat and just go uh, emotionally, I feel like the story is just in training Ahsoka, Anakin showed the best part of himself, you know, and, and could have yeah. Ahsoka held up a mirror and said, this is who I saw, Master. This is who I think yeah. you are. Yeah, which right. I think goes well with what you're saying. If this is who you could be, um, I know you're having a hard yeah. time, but but this is this is great um, to be to be who you are. Um, yeah. So I want to talk specifically about what you brought up of we're getting into in this scene, uh, scenes that happened during Revenge of the Sith. There is the possibility that things in this uh, arc of Clone Wars, this Clone Wars movie could change meanings or motivations during the actual movie scenes of Revenge of the Sith. Are, are you excited by that? Are you embracing that? Are you afraid of I've always thought of Revenge of the Sith this way? I don't want a scene changed. I, this is a lesson again for ourselves. Uh, practice what we preach. Engage with these meanings and new meanings and motivations because there's a nothing overt, nothing, nothing really grabbing me. But just like I, I'm leaning towards the full embrace. It's really exciting. However, there's a couple moments I found myself going, "Well, now wait." Particularly around Maul saying, uh, talking about Kenobi, all all that works for me. But just this idea of. Uh, 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 or Maul talking about uh, Anakin. I said Kenobi said An meant Anakin. Um, I've always focused on Maul and Kenobi, right? Mm -hmm. For good reasons. So for having now to be like, wait, what? He had a, okay, wait, he had a dream. Oh, wait, oh, so now it's more about Anakin. I've got to allow myself to follow that. There was a brief moment, if I'm being honest, brief moment where I went like, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know about that. Okay. And I had to let go of that. I had to let go of it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I, the, what grabbed me in this scene immediately is where where is Obi-Wan's head during this part of Revenge of the Sith? Uh, and I got uh, distracted this morning uh, from from uh, Force Center recording prep because I watched a couple scenes from Return of the Jedi to kind of put them in place. Or not Return of the Jedi, right. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and mm. man, I got caught up in it. And I was reminded that right around this time, uh, uh, Obi-Wan also goes to visit Padme. 
and Anakin gets kind of snippy about it. And he's like, was Obi-Wan here this morning? And Padme says, uh, he was worried about you. So it starts to put on this, like, Obi-Wan was on this tour <laughs> of, <laughs> I don't know if I can get through to Anakin. Can Padme? Can Ahsoka? Uh, so that that's just kind of flavor. Um, but when I was watching this episode, I was like, ooh, is this going to change for me? Obi-Wan and Anakin's last conversation before Obi-Wan leaves for Utapau. And uh, and watching it again, it just enriched it uh, because Anakin starts the conversation by, you know, saying he hasn't been grateful for Obi-Wan being his master and and that he apologizes. And then, you know, there's that great scene where Obi-Wan says, you know, I've trained you for such a young since you were a young boy and you've become such a great, uh, you know, Jedi. Mm -hmm. And it's that it's so warm and loving. But there is now this part of me of like, Obviously, Obi-Wan is saying those things for himself from his own perspective. But is there a little bit of Obi-Wan is trying to give him the kinds of words of love and encouragement and reflection of being a good person that he was hoping uh, Ahsoka would? Mm. Mm. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me let, let me take my swipe at it um, since she's not here. Yeah, I can I can follow that. I like that. I should have rewatched those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing but time. The, this is going to be with us for a long time, a long time yeah. indeed. Uh, it works though. Yeah. But so are you concerned at all that in, in future episodes, something's going to change or are you really, you, you feel like you're in a good place of embracing that whatever happens, happens. I, I think I, I, I think I'm in a, in a good place. Uh, I'm anticipating, like, so we talked a lot about the wreck stuff and everything, anticipating that, but um yeah, I think I think I'm a good place. Again, it was it was fleeting. It was fleeting. It was just this like it was a little bit of I don't know, not unlike uh, episode nine where like oh wait wait Palpatine was behind it all and that, that can that can that can stumble you and you just kind of go yeah yeah here it was and and here's how that works and here's why as we always say for for Maul to to really suddenly be the focus on no no I wasn't just didn't want Kenobi I, I want Anakin because I'm aware of this plan now and everything and so. It just it, it just had to give me a brief pause of going, all right, follow this, follow this trail, follow this trail and, and allow yourself to follow it. So I think I'm ready for what's coming next. Excellent. Good. Well, we'll move on then on this episode. Uh, so next up, uh, Maul uh, has his uh, has his plan. He kills uh, many clones. He kidnaps the older clone, Jesse, which I love that they highlighted that. Uh, and uh, he tells uh, Jesse to his face that the clones are pawns, uh, invades uh, Jesse's mind for mm-hmm. info on Ahsoka Tano. Uh, did you like seeing Maul as a sort of a, a tactician here? Yeah, that's hey, that's a rare sign of growth for this blunt weapon that Maul is, but also shows uh, where he is in terms of, uh, you know, he's running, uh, running some organizations too. He's got some different skills now. But no, I liked it because this whole sequence to me, really put Maul as the horror monster that he, he was initially designed of. The shot of uh, Gar Saxon walking away while he's torturing the, the Kylo Power crossover, as I keep kind of calling it to myself, <laughs> and to what you just said of just why. It all changes, you know, uh, that, that moment of why you to Ahsoka just opens up a whole world of possibilities in him. And just the fact that he knows to do this, senses that was real weird. Like, he, he, just, he just knew he was an older clone. <laughs> like what? Um, <laughs> There's a lot there. Yeah, I like that you're saying that the Maul, Maul the field general, uh, Maul the CEO here shows up a little <laughs> bit more than, than Maul the weapon. Yeah, I think that's it more than anything that he was trained to be this assassin, this horrible, brutal force uh, of slaughter. 
And now he's trying to be like Sidious. And we've seen this before, uh, you know, with forming the Shadow Collective and, and all that. And But that just always felt like, well, I'm going to get power. But this is really like I'm down in the sewers trying to pull the strings, figure out who everybody is, what everybody wants. I'm trying to be a great tactician, but I'm also kind of going on weird speeches about fate and destiny. And then, like you say, being a this horror monster and, and pulling it all uh, all in all the information out of Jesse and causing the pain. It's just like, it's everything that Maul could be uh, in one scene. Yeah. But I like that idea that he's trying, trying to play it like Sidious and, and find all of the motivations and pull all the strings is really cool. Um, yeah. Other thing. Yeah, from this, I, oh, go ahead. Well, it leads to him kind of, he returns Jesse, right? In yeah. Uh, I mean, not in a way he does, but just that was, that stuck out to me as, he did. Oh, he didn't just get the information and put a lightsaber in his chest, you know. Just kind of like, no, no, no. They all, you know, go back to your friends. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, go back to your brothers. Yeah. Um, the other thing I liked about this is, you know, Jesse was in uh, the Bad Batch arc for a while there, uh, yeah. and I think people had fun and and noticed his giant uh, tattoo of mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. Republic logo that becomes the Imperial, and it was that was just great connective tissue to to me to think about. Um, who has what knowledge when? And the fact that as we're watching this, Jesse's one of the good guys and he's got that mm-hmm. big stamp on his face and he doesn't know what that stamp is going to mean very, very shortly from now. <laughs> uh, just, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm just hearing Peter Dinklage's words saying maybe don't uh, get your arms uh, tattooed with a dragon queen after only four seasons of a TV show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let the story play out. <laughs> Yeah, wait, Jesse, wait. Uh, all right, so moving on, uh, we get to the intimidating Almec scene. Ahsoka and Bo-Katan uh, frighten Almec into giving up the info, uh, mostly Bo-Katan, but on Ahsoka's suggestion. Uh, he reveals that Maul had a vision and wanted to lure Skywalker here. Uh, did this uh, feel to you like utter Empire Strikes Back poetry? And, and if so, did it work? It, it absolutely felt like that, and it also felt a little bit of uh, Yoda in Return of the Jedi. Sky. <laughs> so hey, I love I love a good callback and some Star Wars poetry, don't we all? You know, I liked it. I liked because for me, what this kind of is uh, this whole thing, um, it, and this is going back to my thing with Maul and his kind of now, I, I, I don't new obsession with Skywalker. At least for me, um, this this really reminded me that the Skywalker name is the centerpiece of the saga, and carries a lot of weight every in every corner of the saga. Yeah. And I really like that. Not saying that I'm not looking forward to high Republic or this or that. And, you know, solo other than, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it was super prevalent, but like, I, I this is why I, I'm, I sometimes switch it to a weird episode nine argument. Just like, uh, you know, I don't know. Episode nine kind of made it. Is there only like two families in the galaxy? Well, no, but for the Skywalker saga, they're at the center of them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah sorry Sidious Palpatine Skywalker yeah those names mean something and we need to hear more about those stories yeah 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 and I think just for me I I had such uh nerd chill moments always watching Empire Strikes Back that Lando has no idea what he's caught up in he's like I don't know is some they don't want you they want Mm -hmm. someone named Skywalker you're like who cares whatever uh and that it just it felt like that from such different characters as Lando and Almec to both be like Mm -hmm. I don't know it's about some Skywalker guy uh, goes to the that great feeling uh, that you were describing of this is they're they're destined they're they're stuck in the middle of this story um, yeah, and then absolutely the the Yoda type delivery of Sky 
Skywalker is just like, how many people did die with the name Skywalker on their lips? <laughs> is there a last yes. word? Uh, my other question here, um, uh, it's uh, Ahsoka says, hey, do you want to, um, I can't remember what she says, but basically she, she encourages Bo-Katan to rough up Olmec. Did you take that as roughing him up or actually just intimidating him? Uh, I think she knew he was going to, wasn't going to take much. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just, even just the words. And, and in truth, Bo-Katan takes like two steps forward and all next. Like, ah, 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 here, let me tell you. I also took it as, I took it as uh, Ahsoka's getting a little antsy to help Anakin, man. And, and, and she's not tapping into necessary rage, but she's a little more tense, a little more, not manic. Like she's making some decisions she wouldn't normally do. But uh, to me, it's like the, the, the driving force for her right now is Anakin. And right. And if, if, if she is, you know, what is this other name? I got a, I got a feel in her head. She wasn't thinking this guy's going to be saying some, you know, Piet, you know, <laughs> she had the sense of probably what was going on. So yeah, I kind of like that moment. I'm again, not saying she was like, I'm dark side now. Uh, I just, she, she knew Almec. She knew, you know, what Bo-Katan's capable of just the, the, the mere thought of it probably would scare him, but also that, we got to do what we got to do to help Anakin right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that she was about to, you know, start uh, force choking him. Uh, but I, it, yeah. but it did feel like she's got her foot on the gas and she's willing to push a little bit to go Bo-Katan threaten him. Uh, and and he did he did break quickly. Uh, <laughs> I love the thought that he would say uh, Piet. Or like, he was after someone named you, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally different totally different uh yeah. then we get a, a fight between Bo-Katan and Gar Saxon a very cool fight uh anything here you wanted to discuss I, I here I'll read my note that I wrote to myself in all caps shout out to badass Bo-Katan uh just a lot of stuff I love that elevator sequence man it was like a Mission Impossible movie and and what sold it for me is just the way she was like all right I just stopped uh, this elevator with my jetpack and my determination and we gotta go <laughs> like, no thought does everything the other clones are like she just stop it we gotta go let's go i love that moment <laughs> yeah it's a great little fight and definitely one of those moments where as i'm watching i'm like oh wow well uh neither of them can die because they're both coming up in rebels uh <laughs> that just yeah, makes yeah. you feel uh how connected it all is uh moving along we get a mall meeting uh with uh his uh syndicate uh which seems to me like it is transitioning uh from the remains of the shadow collective to crimson dawn uh, we get Marg uh, Grimm from the Pikes that we spent some time with, uh, Zatan Maj from Black Sun, and, oh, cannon drop, Dryden Voss. How did you feel about uh, seeing a little hologram Dryden? Ah, oh, man, I loved it. This was actually something that was uh, spoiled for me before I sat down to watch the episode, but my fault for not watching it 12.01 when first possible. Um, but I, I loved it. I love the connection. This is a well-built tapestry, and... Uh, I like that uh, they paid the respect to that. But that said, I know there's some things about uh, Marg Krim might be dead by this point in Dark Disciple, I believe. I don't know. I saw something pop up online about that. Uh, but like we say, the story first, worry about some of those little details second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we can uh, we can have fun with the timeline at, at some point. Uh, maybe that was uh, somebody dressing as Mark Krim. <laughs> so nobody else knew he was. There you go. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so this is we talked about this a little bit at the top. Uh, this is kind of this other side of the coin from Maul. Uh, when he's with Ahsoka, he's talking about I was going to kill Anakin the key. Now you and I can kill Sidious. But then he's also making this plan of we can thrive in the chaos and I can uh, kind of rebuild uh what i got going 
in terms of a criminal enterprise in a different way. Let's all go into hiding and we'll thrive in the chaos. How does his, his plan of thriving in the chaos hit you? I, I really love it because I talked about, I think last week, maybe uh, the week before, just being able to see, see Maul in this time where there's Jedi and Sidious Palpatine and, and he has this desire clearly now to go out and get revenge and all that kind of stuff. But in this moment, he's kind of like working with this uh, in this this side hustle he's got going on. Uh, and so the big picture is still going to be at play for him, but I love that he's got this idea of like, yeah, no, this is perfect opportunity. I know what's coming. The, that great speech, all the stuff about justice and the construct of, of, of the powers that be at the time. So he, he knows everything's changing. This is an opportunity to buy stocks when everything's low, go into hiding, <laughs> figure it out. And I still think he's going to try to deal with, you know, bigger things, but I, I, I love that. It, I'm not calling it a backup plan. I don't want, I want to downgrade it, but just that he's aware that this is a great place for him to work in, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like for me, cause I always love seeing him in solo. And there was that question of like, well, I had read the son of Dathomir comic book where, you know, the, the shadow parts of the shadow collective are, are decimated. Um, you know, in the Clone Wars episode, episode, the Sidious has shut him down because, uh, Maul was kind of using the Shadow Collective, not just as a criminal enterprise, but kind of trying to build himself up as a force in the galaxy. And Sidious was like, yeah. no, um, along with other motivations for capturing Maul uh, that are in the Son of Dathomir comic. Uh, so I always kind of wondered about what's the, what is the transition between Shadow Collective and Crimson Dawn and why is Palpatine letting Maul do this? And I'd like the, just these little seeds. It's not much, but you can make uh, more of it in your mind if you want to. I like the idea of him going, okay, this time it's really is just crime. It's not me trying to build a force that can stand up to, you know, the Republic or Sidious. Uh, the Republic's going to fall. The Jedi are going to be gone. Great time for lots of quiet crime. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's just quietly mm -hmm. do some crimes and, and keep a little bit of power that way. Yeah, totally. To me, it was a perfect setup for the next chapter of his uh, life and career, a, a new business plan. And he's just trying to seize what power they can. And, and that's the goal he always has, power. Yeah, a new business plan for Maul. Uh, so we're going to move on. We are getting into the heart of it. Uh, there's the brief throne room encounter uh, that we talked about uh, between Bo-Katan uh, letting Jesse go, uh, the uh, battle starting outside, uh, the Mandalorian factions of clone uh, go off in fight. Um, we're going to get into uh, Maul and Ahsoka, but I just wanted to take a minute to touch on the fighting scenes between the Mandalorian factions in the clones. Uh I, I my interpretation, like I was saying at the top, is that we kind of know the battle is is futile up to a certain point. Uh, it's not going to work out well well for anyone on Mandalore, regardless, uh, mm -hmm. because of what is coming. Knowing that, did did it change how you watched the action? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, it did. Uh, There's just a couple great shots there, and I talked about my favorite action moment earlier, where it kind of starts the sequence, but just. I just had a feeling of watching a battle take place long after a war had ended, you know, like technically the war ended here, but even though, you know, we're not quite there yet. Uh, so it felt beautifully chaotic and, and used the word futile. And I like that word. It was the last gasps of this old war and, and, and the old way of uh, looking at the galaxy. And it, it did, there, it did, um, it did strike me that, that way, that shot on that bridge over the fight. Yeah. I think it just really affected me because I enjoyed it as cool Star Wars action, but it just made me mm -hmm. feel really bad for everyone involved being getting to so clearly see them as utter pawns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so let's uh, let's move on into the big, juicy Maul and Ahsoka uh, lightsaber and philosophical fight. Uh, phil- yeah. Philosophy uh, comes a little bit before the fight, so a lot to dig into uh, here. So Maul and Ahsoka are both uh, former, uh, former Sith and a former Jedi. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you is, in the way that they are acting, in th- what they're talking about, are they both still embracing the core respective philosophies of Sith and Jedi? Yeah, I would say so. Definitely so for Ahsoka. Uh, with Maul, yeah, I, I still, it's 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 the incorrect way of looking at things. It's the greed. It's the grab for power, even though you're right. Like uh, Crimson Dawn's not going to be as powerful as Shadow Collective. I don't need it to be, but I need to grab what power I can. And I cannot let go. That's a Sith way. I cannot let go and accept anything new or accept any growth. And I have to try to see it all in that light. I I, I really think Maul, you know, unfortunately, dark side to the core. Dark yeah. side as he was bred and trained, I should say. Yeah, but I like what you're saying is he doesn't, uh, he's going through so much and he's looking at things from lots of different perspectives. But the justice lines that people are talking about a lot, which are really intriguing, for me, they come back to this core idea of the Sith uh, that the light side and the Jedi are lies that, you know, constructs, uh, that are a part of an order or a government like justice have no fundamental meaning. It's just lies. The only thing that is real is power. So he's like, justice, justice is not going to have any meaning because the organizations that, you know, uh, created that construct are going to be gone. And mm-hmm. what remains for me, what always remains is who is going to have power next. Uh, so to right. see that very Sith perspective contrasted with Ahsoka has left the order but she still believes in the concept of justice, believes in justice as a fundamental truth. Yeah, a, a true moral center. Um, yeah, no, you're so right. There's, there's I, One of my favorite moments of this sequence is, is Maul focusing on kind of this, you know, when he's asking Ahsoka, like, hey, rumor has it you left, you, or you were kicked out, and then, oh, well, you left. Why? He, he focuses on the, you know, the hypocrisy of the Jedi Order. And instead, he's not looking at the the growth of Ahsoka and to uh, her her desire to move it to be more of a Jedi outside than the Order itself and outside the Order. And and I love it because it makes me think of uh, kind of like the big lesson in Maul and Kenobi's final fight. Uh, Maul never grows. He never changes. He never rises above where Kenobi does. And he lives with this, uh, you know, I don't know, spirit of vengeance. And... Uh, I, I don't know. I just like the way, again, we talked about, the, you, you talked about knowledge and having the information to make the best choices. This is the, the, the knowledge and information Maul's fueling himself with, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Jedi order. They, yeah, you're right. Hypocrisy. Yeah, you're right. It exists. It's real. Ahsoka's may have been spurned on by that and may have seen that, but she didn't leave the spirit of the order. <laughs> she grew. Right, she grew and and not fueled by vengeance. She's not going out trying to kill every Jedi that kicked her out, where Maul would have. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, without her uh, saying a ton in response, you, you, there's uh, so much that she's built up in this uh, this arc of the Clone Wars. Of yeah, I, I walked away from the mistakes uh, in the hypocrisy that the Jedi of the Jedi because they were falling down on what they taught me, and I have refound this core of what it means to be a Jedi. And for me, my interpretation is like for her, the concept of justice, the concept of defending people from, you know, evil and power grabs is not a random construct. It's, it's the fundamental truth that is important to her in her definition of the Jedi. 
Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so we get a very classic uh, join me moment. Uh, Maul believes that uh, Ahsoka and uh, himself can perhaps destroy Sidious together. Uh, we, it's definitely Star Wars poetry uh, to have a join me moment. Uh, we get a couple of them. But what do you think... Uh, what do you think the join me moment means to Maul? Is it just the destruction of Sidious and vengeance and domination for Maul? Or is there any element of not wanting to be alone? That's that's interesting to think about for Maul. Maul has been he's he's been rejected his whole life is, is you know how he even join becomes a part, you know in possession of by Palpatine like I never really thought of Maul needing just a, <laughs> just a buddy. Uh, uh, taking a very literal uh, meaning of that, but just also that he feels, yes, he's he, he had his brother, he has Savage, he's gone, he has you know criminal syndicate. I doubt uh, none of these are good friends. He wants to, if he <laughs> wants to do this fight, yeah, yeah, he probably feels a little alone. And and in his mind, the reasons for the fight. But imagine, you know, imagine him going like he's he's not wrong about some things, right? You know, uh, the city is, is going to change everything dramatically. We should stop that. Why am I the only one that sees that? It's yeah. Not from a pure point of view, uh, I love. There's an exchange of when they're even talking about the prophecy or Anakin, and just Ahsoka's like she stops for a second and she thinks she goes. <gasps> to bring balance to the force and Maul's like, no, to destroy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His mind is always just on that side of things. Yeah. On the destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't just for, for clarity, I think Maul's motivation is, as Ahsoka says later in the episode, like, yeah, of course you, you want me to help you destroy Sidious so you can just become Sidious. And, I think he is following his sort of a Sith programming there of like, yep, yeah. kill kill the master, uh, take an apprentice. I think what I'm just feeling on a gut level, uh, and in it, I'm not necessarily saying like, yep, that's that's the intent. It's just how I feel it. Between this and his pursuit of Ezra as an apprentice, mm. there's something in the way Maul has been built on in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. He's got so much personality. You know, you can't. He, he's a monstrous looking, uh, you know, character who kills people and does blatantly awful things. But you start to feel for him because he has wit and charm and he is going he's been rejected and he's haunted by these visions that for me, it just opens up this part where maybe he can't even see it himself that. In, in his mind, he's like, yep, yep, manipulate Ahsoka, manipulate Ezra, kill Kenobi, kill Sidious, get what I want, be the most powerful. But is there some part of him, that part that's, you know, uh, charming and, and thoughtful, mm. that is just lonely, that mm. can't, can't even be aware of it, but maybe we as the audience can see it, of like, I want someone by my side, someone I can respect, like Ahsoka or Ezra, by my side. Uh, and mm. I really enjoy that that level of depth for even a character that is not going to move away from the path of evil, but that there is that almost little bit of flickering humanity in him, not enough to turn him, but enough for him to just not want to be alone. Look, I, th I think you're right because it's, it's really reflected in his final moments in Kenobi's arms. We, we focus a lot on Kenobi in that moment and, and compassion over vengeance and anger, but uh, you know, there's some peace. There's some peace in, in those final moments with Maul. And maybe he finally felt comforted for the first time in his life. Yeah. I, I really think so. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so we get the, the the beat that you're talking about of Maul revealing his vision that Skywalker mm-hmm. is the groomed apprentice, uh, the chosen one, uh, the key to everything. How do you feel about this being revealed to Maul in a vision? I know you said that the just the idea of kind of shifting our our interpretation of Maul being so Kenobi centric to hearing him now be kind of Skywalker centric. That's one thing. But just this vital information that very few people in the story of Star Wars have access to. Maul's got it all in a vision. Did that make sense to you? Did you like that? It does make sense, and this could be one of those moments where you go, well, now, nah, wait a minute. I really think, you you know, because it is a hand wave of, of an explanation for a thing. Now, it's so, I've never gone around spending a lot of time thinking on all the past episodes of The Clone Wars, and, you know, well, Soka wasn't there, Anakin wasn't there, you know what I mean? Like, I hadn't really, I hadn't really ever just said, oh, that's right, Maul wouldn't really no Anakin other than when he flew over him on a speeder bike in Tatooine or, you know, saw video footage from winning a pod race. Like, you know, um, so uh, I like all that. But in, as far as the vision, what I took it as here is, you know, he says something earlier. I, t- I said about how he's, he's, he's afraid of the dark side or just is afraid of what's coming, what that might mean. But he, he mentions earlier in the episode, the dark side is, is strong, right? It's just swirling around. He's connected to it. Yeah. He is connected to all that. And there's a chance. Go with me here. I ain't saying this is the answer, but I love to, I love to think of this idea of maybe the force was calling to him, asking him to battle the dark side, asking him to change and grow. But as he always does, he interprets it as rage, revenge. I must stop Sidious. I must take Sidious's place. I must destroy this guy his form of justice and, and not a, uh, not going to answer the, 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 the call of the force. I'm not saying that is the thing, but who knows, man, maybe, you know, the force is like, Hey, you, you have a chance to maybe do some good here, connect, do some things, or it could just be the dark side. I don't know. Yeah. That's great. That's really interesting. Cause I think I looked at it in a similar way, but not with the bit of hope that you have there of could any, any part of the light side of the force, uh, be reaching out to him and saying you have an opportunity to do something different. I think the way that I really enjoyed it, I really liked it. It didn't just feel like, well, Maul's got to know. So how could he know? How about a vision? It didn't feel hand wavy to me at all. It felt mm, mm. It, because to me, it felt like the matching piece to the discussion in the actual prequel films that the Jedi's ability to see things has been limited by the dark side and that their ability to mm. use the force yeah. is being hampered by how powerful the dark side is. So there was, this is an oversimplification, but to me, I almost took it as like, uh, light side is AM, dark side is FM, and <laughs> Maul is so tuned into the dark side, and the dark side is rising so much that he's flooded with these visions of truth, that if you're, if you're in tune with anger and pain, you can see this moment coming uh, yeah. in a way that the Jedi can't. Like, uh, Yoda gets flashes of it, but specifically when he is facing uh the dark right. side uh, when he goes on his journey at the end of season six. Uh, so I kind of just like that. Like if you're willing to really peer into the dark side, it's getting so close. And this is like all the dark side can broadcast on every FM band is Skywalker, <laughs> Skywalker, Skywalker. It's coming. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's how the dead speak. <laughs> the dead speak a- AM radio on your FM radio dial. <laughs> hey, dead. Listen up. Um, Anything else uh, about this? Uh, well, move, move, move on. Uh, so Maul gets into what his actual plot is um, to, that he was going to lure uh, Anakin Skywalker uh, there and kill him. 
um, because he is the groomed apprentice. He is the key. He is not uh, the chosen one to bring balance. He is going to destroy. And that is the moment where Ahsoka says, uh, no, I know Anakin, and he ignites her blue blades. So um, I want to talk about the blades, but anything else in in that uh, very specific exchange that you wanted to talk about? Um, I what I yeah we'll talk about the blades, but the fact that she knows Anakin, she does. That's what Kenobi goes to her, and then it made me think of just all the layering that's been into the uh, the books, even like Lords of the Sith, which is kind of like the first reference we got of of Vader, the character we knew from the original trilogy, saying the name Snips, uh, and and, and connecting and going to that big moment at end of season two of Rebels, the, Ahsoka's name, the memory of her, and then the the appearance of her always gets to the creature that is Darth Vader and it always is there. And just like the stuff of Padme and some of his pain and his mistrust of Pompadour, all that stuff is there. It's layered in. And this just drove, drove home when she's saying, I know Anakin, when she's saying, when Kenobi basically says the same thing um, before we even get to the blades, that's what this moment reminded me of. It's just like, yep, that's right. You can, you can track this now all through modern canon. She might be, could have been maybe the piece that saved him. Yeah. And I, I, it's just such great pain of, of Ahsoka does know him, Obi-Wan does know him, Padme does know him, uh, but there's this great discussion to be had, you know, philosophical, I don't think there's like, to me there isn't an answer, you know, do they know the true, true, true Anakin, and even when he's Vader and Anakin is just a flickering light, they're right, that's who he is, is that, you know, is that what is... Uh, borne out by him turning back to the light at the end of Return of the Jedi or is there any element from these great heroes in an in insightful Jedi like uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka who see parts of it and aren't willing to admit to themselves how bad it could be for Anakin I like I like that side of it too yeah like, you know mm. Yeah, they need it, to see security recordings. <laughs> they need to see security recordings to accept the awful, awful truth. Let's go to those blades because uh, for me, uh, we talked about why blue um, from Anakin's perspective of, hey, I made him better. I made him more like mine. Uh, and I was kind of wondering, like, where are we going with this? Is there going to be more made of it? And for me, I think I said, ah, out loud uh, when it happened. Mm-hmm. It's extra powerful for Ahsoka to say, I am not even going to entertain the idea that Anakin could be this force of destruction. I know exactly who he is. Here are these blades that have now become, that are mine, but have now become a symbol of him. Uh, there you go. That's, it's the, uh, it is the lesson that we all should have learned uh, when Santa Solo, Santa Star Wars, walked down a spaceship and said, I'm Han Solo's wife, and we all uh, <laughs> lost our minds, and then the next issue it was all clarified. Yeah, so you, you just sometimes just sit back, and that's how we like to marinate on these stories. I think it's a great point. There is the change from green to blue. Uh, there is, uh, we're, we can talk about the opening of the Ahsoka novel, how it doesn't quite line up anymore to what uh, we, we're seeing here and how, you know, that sometimes that's okay because uh, this this has a lot more power to it now. Yeah, well, and we're not done and it still might line up uh, mm-hmm. in a yeah, different, yeah. In a oh, different yeah, way. Um, but did you, uh, I went on about my uh, interpretation of the Blades. Uh, did you have a different one or did you feel the same thing? Like that's that's, it's extra powerful that they are now imbued with some essence of Anakin. Yeah, no, absolutely tracks because it, it it it's it's all but a wink to the camera when when Anakin says, um, you know, uh, I made some adjustments and look, some of the stuff we said last week still stands for me of what it means f- 
from Anakin of just that's kind of his nature to 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 kind of yeah I made him it's like me you know a little little he's a force of nature good and good and bad I think a lot of that still stands but in this moment that shot uh it it, it carries more weight for sure yeah. Yeah, uh, and then uh, we get into the big actual fight, uh, motion capture for Maul by Ray Park and motion capture for Ahsoka by Lauren Mary Kim. Uh, what beats of this hit you? What was your overall reaction? Uh, this had been built up a lot that there's going to be this uh, big fight and that it was going to be motion captured. What are your thoughts? Let's start with the motion capture stuff. Man, it works so well. Uh, Lauren Mary Kim is getting a lot of um, just do in uh, the Star Wars circles right now, as she should. But, uh, you know, look, Ray Park, you can just see it. You could feel it. It just it. What a what an amazing advancement in uh, technology, man. I I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how they pull that off. It re- it was it was palpable, man. You felt it. You saw it. And I thought it was a great decision to do that and loved it. And, and it made you know what it made me think, too, even more. Like, oh, if you were to go, if you were to give me an, an, another animated series, but ha- it had classic characters or something, or it, you could still really, the physicality of those characters could really come through in, in a way that hasn't really come through before in Star Wars animation. I, I, I That's kind of where my mind went, some of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you, you pictured uh, Adam Driver in a motion capture suit? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was amazing. Uh I thought it would be cooler, but it, I think it was just like those little things, like just seeing that, like a little, those little hops in Darth Maul's like forward movement, yep. right? That that are so incredibly real. Um, my wife is a dancer, and she talks about core strength <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because she's yeah. a dancer, she's got got good core strength. But you just like you could feel that. You could feel like that's a real person moving. That's where the center of energy is in their body for this movement. Uh, and everything else in this episode to me that that made me feel for Maul, it just feeling him as a more real character made me feel uh, for both of the characters like that they were in more danger because mm-hmm. they felt real. Um, and I think they also had this sense. Uh, there's been many great lightsaber fights in, in the Clone Wars, but this had this sense of inventiveness that almost made me think of John Wick. Uh, because the mm-hmm. John Wick films are so much, you know, stunt people going, what if we made a movie where stunt people just got to go crazy <laughs> and do whatever we want and whatever we can think yeah. of? And there were just cool, inventive moments of just what's actually going on in the fight, you know? Yeah. Uh, that mm. yeah. feel like just letting stunt people go for it. Uh, yeah, kudos to both of them. Uh, yeah, it it worked on even small levels. One, there was one moment where Ahsoka kind of lost her balance, and it just it, it is red a lot more real than anything's red before for me in, in action sequences and in, in Clone Wars. Yeah, and like little little and, and rebels. Yeah, little hand flips of the blade uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. That great uh, lightsaber pull towards Maul and the the you know very real flip away from it and uh, so many great yeah. things uh, uh great line uh you have kenobi's arrogance uh, i have many qualities for you to dislike is awesome mm-hmm. uh any other small moments within the battle uh no nah, i mean other than just yeah, a lot of cool movements i love uh maul one point kind of using his elbow that's kind of a, a trait of his too uh yeah so yeah like uh, uh, not much more i can say about how just great of a fight it was an actual fight yeah uh i loved after uh ahsoka threw maul through the window that look of uh exhaustion and fear on her face that she immediately controls 
I was just like, mm. that is such a great Jedi moment for Ahsoka because we get the uh, the arrogance of uh, Kenobi. We get the, I am a badass. And then we get that humanity of, this is scary and I should be afraid, but this is actually more impressive that she takes a deep breath and she controls her fear and goes right out after him. Just that one little great animation moment connects to so many moments of of you know facing your fear is the destiny of a jedi and made me feel like yeah yeah ahsoka's a a a jedi when she's a badass but even more to me when she just takes a deep breath and doesn't let her fear get the best of her love it love it great image too of the the blades going through the window as well a lot in that scene great (laughs) stuff great great analysis i wanted to ask you about the the darth maul crashes through the window and the blades was that like cool to you or was there even a little element of like uh, uh, a Looney Tunes character uh, breaking through something and then their (laughs) shadow is exactly there their outline I'll I'll say yes to that but also uh, yeah to me it was uh, almost like a a great homage to the lightsabers that shook a fandom back in 1999 (laughs) yes yes an homage to the double bladed uh, lightsaber even that window thinks they're awesome Uh, All right, we're gonna we're heading towards the end here Uh, so in the uh, Clone Wars Mandalorian battle the clones win they uh they take uh, Gar Saxon into custody and the Maul and Ahsoka fight moves up to the structure of the dome Maul almost defeats uh, Ahsoka, gets rid of both of her lightsabers, uh, lets out a classic join me or die, uh, and then goes after Ahsoka, uh, but she trips him, uh, takes his uh, lightsaber, and then catches him with the force as he is falling to his doom. Uh, What did this action beat mean to you? Did anything about the end of the fight speak to Maul in Ahsoka's philosophical differences? I, for me, look, I look at Ahsoka like literally using his weapon of rage against him, but to immediately save him. Uh, this lesson of compassion we always come back to, and, and this is exactly what Kenobi will do with Maul later on, not necessarily using the weapon against him, but um, using what he knows about Maul, using Maul's rage and lack of growth against him. So it's, it's that beat, man. It's, it's a comment on a, uh, on Maul, on how, how he's going to continue to lose because he won't grow. Um and he won't see, uh, you know, he, he underestimates Ahsoka in this moment, at least uh, overall. I think at some point in the fight, he's probably like, uh, all right, she's good. Um, so anyways, that's what I liked about that moment a lot. Yeah. I, for me, I think it just connected to a little bit of uh, Ahsoka's arc in um, in in the Trace and Rafa episodes of, for, you know, she doesn't have her lightsabers. And she's still mm-hmm. learning what it means to be a Jedi. And I think there's this, uh, there's this idea of the lightsabers as the symbol of the Jedi. Uh, and also just Ahsoka being clever and inventive in ways that we have seen, uh, in particular Luke and Obi-Wan be of even when they are stripped of their lightsabers, uh, Luke in the Rancor pit or, uh, Obi-Wan defeating Grievous, that there's this connection to them of, uh, a lightsaber isn't everything, which is just cool, but what Ahsoka has been through of redefining the Jedi and they're not just this weapon. And Maul has this perspective of like, well, you've you've lost both your lightsabers. Obviously, you're no threat whatsoever. And for her to God, like yeah. still be a Jedi, like my lightsabers are great. They're uh, they're a weapon, you know. Uh, they're important, but they aren't who I am. Yeah. Uh, and the mm. fact that she can then, as you you so uh, wisely stated it, just literally kind of use his uh, momentum and his of his fury and rage against him, mm. and uh, and spin him. Uh, and then, of course, uh, she's she's got uh, Maul captured there. Uh, they're trying to keep him alive uh, out of, uh, uh, I'm sure, a uh, sense of uh, that is what is right and also a sense of trying to get some more information from him. 
uh, yeah. the clones uh, in Mandalorian's capture Maul. Uh, Maul says uh, she doesn't understand what she's done uh, and they are all going to die. He asks, <laughs> he just says, let me die. It says they're going to all burn. They're going to all die. First, mm. w- what did you take out of Maul just saying, let me die? Oh, just pure tragic. This is what is at the core. Uh, we talk about he has got a great plan for a criminal enterprise, a second uh, go at it. Uh, he wants to destroy Sidious Anakin. He wants power. He wants all these things. At the end of the day, he, he's sad. He's broken. He never had a shot, and he wants it all to end, and that's part of what's fueling his rage. Uh, it's not that he wants to wor- watch the world burn. He wants to burn with it, and that's, that's really tragic. Uh, I, I don't have, you know, again, like we joked up top, you know, empathy for Vader or Maul to a point, and there's choices and there's those lessons in there. This isn't a shade of gray, but this is, this is just the truth of the character. I, I think this is the real Maul yelling at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's what connects everything for me. If he's got plans within plans, he's setting up, uh, you know, Crimson Dawn to thrive in the chaos. He's uh, trying to lure Skywalker and kill him. He's trying to team up with Ahsoka. Uh, he is being a great tactician while also going on kind of weird uh, supervillain speeches in front of <laughs> Jesse the clone. Like, he's kind of all over the map. And then this is the moment that pulls it all together of just let yeah. me die. Uh, you you yeah. spoke to that so well. In terms of the you don't know what's going on. You're all going to die. You're all, we're all going to burn. Did you take that to be, uh, Maul having an understanding of order 66 explicitly or the future of Mandalore explicitly? What did you take that as? I, I took it, uh, quite frankly, all of it. Uh, he's, he's, he's the crazy pants guy screaming about the skies falling, except for he's, he's right. And, and you know, sometimes it is the truth too in real life, but, um, so I took it for all of it. As far as under Order 66, I mean, he earlier in the episode was like, according to my calculus, is this the moment? I've traced it. I've got a graph. Is this <laughs> is this the moment? Does he does he actually know there's chips inside of him? Does he know any of that stuff? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's solving. He's trying to solve the case himself. But um, I love that he breaks. I love to let me die. And I love that he's just like, enough with the facade. You're, we're all, you all are going to die in a few minutes days hours i don't know listen to me i loved it yeah i like that he knows the clones are a pawn but exact but we don't yet know unless i'm forgetting something yeah. uh exactly how much of the grand design he knows you know so did his, right. is that part of his vision of skywalker he's he's you know vader emerging from flames and mandalore burning and you know what what all exactly has he has he seen uh is a fun thing to think about for a very short amount of time because we're going to find out <laughs> in less than a week as we record yeah. this. Uh, so we got that final image of Ahsoka staring at the shattered dome, standing on a broken beam. Uh, for me, I really like that Maul's argument throughout this is everything you know is going to shatter. And the it was we get that with the window exploding um, during their join me moment uh, in the throne room. And then that it ends with that that dome that is meant to keep Mandalore, you know, Sundari safe. Broken open by Maul. And standing on a broken beam, it she's just standing on a metaphor for this is all going to fall apart. Yeah, I think this is the primitive radio god song, right? Standing on a broken beam on the top of a Mandalore at the end of it all. I think that was I think that was the song. Yeah, Aunt Teresa joined the Crimson Dawn. as happy with her full time job. Yeah, um, you are tuned into the FM yeah. radio of the Sith right there. <laughs> there it is. 
Yeah, I love that ending. I watched it uh, that ending specifically today with your note in mind, and yeah, it, it is uh, it is a it is an art piece of what's to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful in a horrible way. Uh, yeah. Any other characters or moments uh, or uh, action beats that you wanted to mention or discuss? Look, a lot of little things in the episode. Uh, you can go find your your uh, explainer video channel of choice. I know I have mine, but uh, a lot of lot of little connections. But I, one of the ones they uh, we mentioned was uh, he's literally was talking about to the Mandalorians and saying you don't belong in the gutters, and everyone of course goes to Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorian series. And I, what I love about that though is going back to again how Maul sees things and how he ties into that side of the Mandalorians. Um, the Gar Saxons and the, and the casts of the world of uh, their warrior nature, which is, 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 is there's a great pride in, in the Mandalorian culture. That's not bad. That's not, not bad at all, but it goes to Duchess Satine and goes to what she was trying to change. And I love when he's talking about, you don't belong in gutters. And they're like, yeah, you're right. We don't, but you got the armor later on going, no, yeah, maybe we don't, but we got to, because that's what's more important is our survival. And that's the way. And so I like that once again, Maul's seeing things wrong. Once again, Maul's all rage and anger and and, and growling. And, yeah. and, that, and that's how he's able to manipulate uh, the Mandalorians to do his bidding. I like that little moment. Yeah. And I love that it is just such a manipulation that he is, he is you know, shouting what he thinks they, they want to believe about themselves. So they will go pointlessly slaughter uh, themselves for his plan. You know, yeah, and and yeah. when when uh, Gar Saxon calls him for um, support, he's just like, "Nope, <laughs> die well, <laughs> bye." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, yep. Some other beats that I uh, that I liked is uh, when he's talking about Palpatine. He's you know says in the shadows always, um, which does have a rhythm with uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, uh-huh. You know, planned intended. It's uh, it to me it was uh, it was nice uh, as a Star Wars fan to just have that rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing that I really enjoyed is, uh, right, right around then he's talking about, um, Sidious in the shadows always, uh, and he said, but soon he's going to reveal himself. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that was fun to, to have that full circle moment with Maul, who's like so much about revealing <laughs> that that's, that's how we met him in the trailer is like, unless we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi, you know, <laughs> is he bummed? Is he like, man, we had this party plan. <laughs> it was a, it was a Sith reveal party and I'm not even, I'm not even on the guest list right now. Yeah. Um, I yeah. honestly, yeah. I think so. Cause you know, there's that, we didn't even get a chance to talk about it. Cause there's so much to that part earlier where, where he's talking about, like I played my part and I, part of his part was revealing himself. You know, that was a choice in Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. Like, yeah, let, let's uh, make the Jedi nervous. Let's let them know that the Sith are still alive. Go reveal yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look at that. Look, sorry. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, the mall, the mall comic they released where he, you know, he gets his first kill. Right. And he's just like, let me out. Let me at them. Yeah, that does track. There. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yep. And for the big this is the big reveal. You thought it was a big deal when I got to reveal myself. Ugh, you're not yeah. going to believe Sidious's reveal. No fair. Uh, last beat fair. that I wanted to talk about was the uh, I've seen other people mention this online. The cruelty of in the battle, uh, there's a clone trooper who's fallen and then an ATTE is marching forward and cuts right before it clearly is going to stomp yeah. on that clone trooper, which to me at first was just yeah. like, ooh, dark. But then I was like, no, actually, that's a that's really good visual metaphor for what is about to happen. <laughs> yes. Good note. I saw that, too. Um, yeah, I like that. One, one final mo- moment for me. Uh, I love... Um, I love that we talk a lot about destiny in this episode. Well, his moment where he's just like the Republic has fallen. 
it's all you're already on the journey. You've already lost. I right. love that again, Maul's perspective there. Just a fun little moment. Again, so much in this episode to talk yeah. about. Yeah. And a good a good dovetail with some of what Ahsoka believes of, you know, mm-hmm. the the republic and the order that you believe in already fell. And like Ahsoka's, yeah. you know, not in line with uh, much with Maul, but that is why she walked away, because they weren't being the order that they claimed to be, which was very cool. Yeah. Do you have hopes or predictions for next week? Whoa, let me tell you, man, uh, at this point, I don't know. Order 66 has got to be coming, man. Got to be coming. I want more of that. Uh, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to focus, to get a little focus on Rex and, and, and a little bit of his story. I know, I know Rex is uh, you know important to a lot of people, myself included. Um, I, I wonder, I wonder if, if we're, how much we're going to get, or if, is there an outside chance we get one final I don't think I don't know. I'm saying a lot of one final communication between Ahsoka and Anakin. I don't know. I, it doesn't doesn't work in person. Not even a Skype call, maybe through the force. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get anything. I like where they left it. And I think that was intended. So I don't know. That's not necessarily hope or prediction. Just a question. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if they play around with Ahsoka attempting to contact Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any element of that uh, to, that will, you know, beautifully twist the knife of tragedy even more. But I do feel like that is their in the previous episode. That is their last talking to each other. Uh, yeah. The thing that uh, rewatching Revenge of the Sith is, you know, again, um, that it comes up that Obi-Wan visited Padme. I think we're probably past that timeline wise, but I met when I was watching Revenge of the Sith just because I would love to see more Padme. Like, is there any hope of that conversation? Um, mm. I think events are moving fast enough that Obi-Wan has probably left for Utapau, but you never know. Uh, the timelines in Star Wars are sometimes defined and sometimes got some wiggle room. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I got it. I got it. This is a straight up prediction. I don't know if it's for this week. Maybe it's the next week. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the final one. We, we are going to cut to Mustafar, Anakin, on uh, Anakin Vader on the um, on the balcony at Mustafar, and you know that shot where he's got like the one tear and he's really upset. Yeah, that's gonna be Ahsoka calling him, and he hangs up the Force phone. Oh no, he doesn't take her call. Doesn't take her Force call. Oh no, ah, uh, uh, I could see it. You, you uh, we laugh now, but. It yeah. would be beautiful. Be. It would be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, my other hopes, uh, I, I would say hopes, not, not predictions for uh, not not just next week, but these last two installments. The second half of this movie uh, is seeing exactly how it's going to line up with the Ahsoka novel, um, because I, I think there is still more uh, Maul uh, Ahsoka conflict to come. Uh, so I'm curious mm-hmm. about that. Of course, obviously, a lot of it's going to be Order 66 and seeing how much... Uh, how much Ahsoka can know, what she can't know, her and Rex, all that. The other thing that I just want is is more the exact fate of Mandalore right now, uh, mm-hmm. because I think in from my my two cents, I know a lot of people have uh, opinions about this, including Wikipedia. I think there are you know two major traumatic events to Mandalore. I think yeah. you know right about now the clones who are there, and I think there was even some foreshadowing of like when when uh, Bo-Katan was saying you can't stay here much longer. And Rex saying, my men don't want to be here being policed. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've got coming very soon, the Republic transitions into the empire and they use this uh, altercation as an excuse to just lock it down. So I think we have mm-hmm. that. And then I think obviously uh, we got all of these events with Mandalorian rebels with uh, Bo-Katan ending up with the dark saber. And then I think sometime around the events of rogue one, a new hope, the empire puts their boot down on Mandalore even harder. But I I think getting some clarity between those two events, I'm really excited for. 
Mm, that'd be good. That'd be good. Um, you may, uh, I know people might be wondering why we're not talking a little bit more about the beginning of the Ahsoka novel. We both have mentioned it. I, I, I like what your thought too. Like, hey, let, let's get all the way through this and see how far it goes in terms of not aligning or or aligning. The thing I'll say, this the, the, that that E.K. Johnston book begins with lost Clone Wars scripts that they didn't think they were ever going to use book was written a few years ago so hey maybe it's as maybe it is as it was but why wouldn't you as a creator come along and look at it and be flown and be like cool now we get a chance to actually do this let's let's really make sure this is how we want to do it i i i I take comfort in that over the a little change in canon that also might not be the case like you said there could be something more yeah i think there might yeah, I think there might be some more. I think um, I know that some of our listeners have watched uh, some of the trailers for Clone Wars a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. I have I have made the choice not to rewatch them, so I think there's hints in the trailers uh, that there is more to come. Uh, yeah. But we will see very soon, very very soon, uh, what's coming up. And I do want to uh, say, if this is okay with you, Ken, about our our uh, mm-hmm. scheduling plan for these last two parts of Clone Wars. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Uh, so uh, I'm sure people who are taking the time to listen to this know that the uh, next episode, the penultimate episode, will be released normal, the, you know, Friday, Thursday, midnight. Uh, but then they're releasing the final episode on May 4th. So what we're going to do is uh, on that Friday, we're going to try to get an episode out about the penultimate episode of Clone Wars. And then on uh, Monday, May 4th, Star Wars Day, we'll do a, our review of the final, final episode. Absolutely. A lot of Star Wars forthcoming, including that documentary on The Mandalorian, Rise of Skywalker coming to Disney+. Plus. Hey, man, Star Wars is here, and it's very much alive. That is right. Uh, we always uh, wrap up by talking about figures and morals. So uh, first off, if you could have any action figure from this episode, who would you want? Well, it's not quite an action figure. You could make it into one, but I want some Gar Saxon chapstick, and <laughs> I just think you could license that Star Wars and do well. Yeah, I think so. I want a um, a mall action figure with sign action. And he squeezes his legs, <laughs> and he is like, Ugh, <sighs> the plan. Uh, I definitely want to hear and see that. Uh, and we yeah. wrap up uh, this mega episode with a moral. Uh, Ken, what is the moral of this episode of the Clone Wars Report podcast? Well, off air, the moral is um, in the choices of electronics to buy, uh, make the wise one. Uh, that's different <laughs> for me. That might just be for me. Uh, uh, another adventure recording today. But uh, the, the moral of this podcast uh, might be uh, every point of view is worth a discussion. That is absolutely beautiful. We will see you all here for the next episode of The Clone Wars Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.